Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Brothers and Sisters of the Leaf, coming to you live once again from, well, all over the fucking place, it's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Tonight, your favorite crew of stuffed turkeys discuss the brand new Bruce Campbell holiday alien invasion flick, Black Friday, while reviewing the impressive Undercrown 10 cigar from Drew Estate, paired, as always, with some expertly selected craft beers. Sounds like we're in store for one hell of a good time, folks. So undo your top pants button, light them up, and enjoy the show. Though, be careful lighting them up just because you've got your pants undone. Got it? And, uh, oh, by the way, fellas, happy 150th episode to you. I honestly can't believe you're all still alive. Hmm, lost that bet. Looks like I okayed 20 bucks. Everybody have a nice Thanksgiving? Um, as it could be. As it could be. That's a resounding yes. Uh, Yak Boy, good, good Thanksgiving? Very good Thanksgiving. Relaxing, full of too, eating too much, putting the stuffing, stuffing the stuffing into me. Uh, you stuffed the stuffing and then stuffed it into your, your face. That is correct. Triple stuffing. I like it. Doctor? Good thing. It was wonderful. How was yours? Uh, it, was, it was good. Uh, we had a couple, a couple of them. Um, fortunate that way. But uh, as you boys know, it's it's been kind of a rough stretch here for me this year, uh, going all the way back to last year, 2020, when this whole shit show began. We had to start doing the show via the internet as opposed to getting all together. So uh, I have something to tell you guys. And I want to wait till we were all together to drop this on you. Uh, but maybe by me sharing this, it can help one of our listeners who's going through something similar. Um, so the day after Thanksgiving, I checked myself into an outpatient re- rehab program. Oh, dude, what's up? It turns out I couldn't quit cold turkey. I love it. Cold turkey sandwiches, uh, just 
after I've been drinking all night, I'll go to the fridge and just grab some cold turkey off the out of the uh, leftover stuff and just munch on it. Uh, I cannot quit cold turkey, so I'm getting some help. Okay, um, and I'll let you know. I'll let you guys know how it is. Yag boy, if you want me to bring you to a meeting, I know you like your cold turkey. I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, doctor, do you like cold turkey sandwiches? Uh, I prefer to, uh, have warm turkey. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm just kidding. Of course, none of us are going to rehab. It'd be crazy. We got at least another 50 shows in us. Eh. (laughs) I mean, that's the goal. That's the goal. Hey, can we at least get to 169? (laughs) (laughs) That seems like a really good one to end on. Uh, we'll go out on top. (laughs) Oh, um, in all seriousness, I did read this interesting tidbit over the holiday, though. (laughs) Little trivia, a trivia for you guys. If the original pilgrims were still alive today, what would they be most famous for? (sighs) Genocide? No, their age. Their age, duh. (laughs) They'd be be like over 400 years old. Oh, okay. Like Todd's answer. Good, Tut. For Christ's sake, Tut, think how old they would be. They would be old. They would be old. I mean, they, there's, there's the genocide thing. Disease. and I just want to go there. Uh, just use your noggin next time. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, Doctor, I know Thanksgiving is your favorite holiday. Could you give us uh, – I, I just I, – I'm just curious. Uh, I know your family well. I know you well. Tell us uh, what you chomped down on at Thanksgiving dinner. I want to I want to visualize the doctor's dinner plate. Uh boy, let me tell you. Um normally uh my mother doesn't buy a whole turkey. She's right. gonna get like, the turkey breast that has, you know, uh which is enough for, for everybody, but she had to purchase a whole turkey. So we had the whole big old sucker with the legs and the wings and the all of that stuff going on. Um so uh uh, of course, turkey skin, uh, it's not, it's a little rougher, but, uh, um, man, delicious. I had plates of, of turkey with, uh, a, a nice brown onion gravy, hmm. uh, and some mashed potatoes. Okay. Um, my mom also makes a, uh, sort of, I guess it's a green beans and bacon. You know, why have green beans, but chop up some like maple flavored bacon and make a green bean bacon concoction. Yummy. Uh, Some some buttery corn. Okay. uh, Some croissants with butter. Uh, Man, just uh, just plates of that. Um, Drank some uh, drank some rosé champagne with the meal. Mm. Uh, And then uh, after gorging on that, out came the pumpkin pie. With a big dollop of uh, whipped cream on top, and uh, of course, for me, after a few glasses of champagne, I switched over to the amaretto to go with the pumpkin pie and the whipped cream. And oh man, it was it was delicious. Uh, and then I just sat there like a bump on a log watching the Cowboys game, which was both exciting and disappointing. But to all in all, a wonderful, fantastic day. Uh, man, it sure sounds like it. I was wondering if she did any of her uh, famous fondue to start things off. 
No, that used to be that was a Christmas Eve thing. I knew it was around the holidays. Okay. Uh, we kind of abandoned that a few years back. I think it got a little too too problematic. Okay. Oh yeah. How, did your sister ever get out of the burn center? <laughs> no, no one, no one was burned and went to a burn center. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, um, but uh, well, yeah, speaking they, of speaking of turkey, uh, I actually picked up an 18 pound turkey from a a barbecue food truck and took it to one of our our get-togethers. Uh, oh my God, man, this thing was just enormous. Uh, and then at another one, uh, they did the the same thing. They did the they cooked just the, the little individual breasts. And I got to be honest, at one of those, I won't say which one, I want to protect the innocent. The turkey was just inedible. I mean, it was just. A little dry, a little dry. It was just dry. I mean, it was. I mean, something was going on and I could read the room. I wasn't the only one thinking it. Uh, I suspected that something foul was going on, but. there's no way I could really prove it. Mm. Love to see what happens. Love to see what happens next year at Thanksgiving. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the, look, guys. We, we're coming out of a holiday here. Uh, I, I, I was I was really struggling to, you know, how am I going to kick things off tonight and. Uh, I, I, ju- I just started to knock some Thanksgiving puns around in the old noggin, and uh, here we here we are. What did you expect? Something good for episode one fifty? No, this is about as foul as I expected. Gobble 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 yeah. gobble. Yeah. Uh, hey, like I just said, welcome everybody to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club episode one fifty. One five zero. We finally got out of the forties. One forties. Out of the 140s, baby. It seriously felt like we were in the 140s for two years. It did. Uh, I, I certainly were. My only goal for the beginning of the year was, all right, I want to get, I, you know, we should get to 150 this year. That'd be a good milestone. It, it It's taken way longer. And we haven't missed, we haven't missed any shows. Like it just, it just slogged by, which I say slogged, but we we're doing some of our best work ever in those 140 episodes. So uh, thank you all for sticking with us and uh, glad to, happily entertain you for free uh all year long you're welcome right we, we don't yes talk. we don't they don't have to pay anything right no okay so well, they should after this tonight's cold opening I, I sure hope not i'd feel really bad about taking anybody's money uh <laughs> uh but no we are here we're out of the 140s and we got a good one for you tonight this is our second to last show of the year yeah, yeah. Uh, it would have been cool to end the year on 150 with a bang, but as usual, we fuck everything up. So we're we're gonna end the episode on 151, which, hey, we could pair with rump with 151, but they discontinued it. So, uh, <sighs> jeez, man, nothing ever works out. God, <laughs> shit. No uh, more 151, eh? No, we uh we were gonna do it on a uh some ep- oh we're gonna do it on our Stone Age episode. Because uh, they drink it, they drink the one, the one fifty one, and that. And uh, after not being able to find it in a couple liquor stores, I, I looked it up, and it's discontinued. Yeah. Huh. I mean, apparently a bunch of kids were setting their faces on fire doing uh, the little lighter trick. The lighter trick. Good kids. 
Doctor, I'm glad to see that you made it out of the burn center. Your your face looks just as good as it ever did. I didn't set myself on fire. Uh, well, what do we do here every uh, episode? Doctor, what do we do here? Um, I'm still trying to figure that out myself, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I believe... Uh, Got you off guard, didn't I? Uh, you did, because Yax usually gives a stunning introduction, but I guess you're angry with him. So uh, I believe we smoke some cigars, we drink some beers, and we, we discuss a movie. Uh, uh, but I, I don't have Yax's ability to, to really do that intro. Yak boy, why don't you clean up? Uh, Good I, job, Mincy. I, I was there. I was there for you. Yak boy, and, I, and, you, I, uh, and I understand why Cade is mad at Cody. He, he totally said it before the show, before Cody got here. He was really pissed at him. Yak boy. with Lover Boys Get Lucky album, <laughs> It does have something to do with Lover Boys Get Lucky album, but that's not for our listeners to don't don't forget you heard about that. Uh, Yak Boy, clean up on aisle seven. Tell everybody what we do here every episode. Or just this once. We here like to have a delicious or hopefully delicious premium cigar paired with a hopefully delicious craft beer, also while we Review a hopefully cinematic gem, a jewel of the big screen. There you go. Uh, that is exactly what we do. And, and unlike you two bozos, I don't think I've ever been mad at Yak Boy. Ever. Yeah, as far as you've told him. But yeah, what did you think I was talking, talking about? Uh, well, we, you guys are in for a treat at home. You guys and gals are in, treat, uh, in for a treat tonight. Because for our 150th episode, um, which I guess is a sort of anniversary of sorts, no? Yeah, sure. It's a it's a milestone. Yeah. See, that's the cool thing. Milestones can be whatever you set. You know, I set 150 as a milestone. Hey, it's we got it as a milestone and anniversary. Well, the good that we are smoking tonight is celebrating is what was. Uh, blended to celebrate a milestone as well. It is the Undercrown 10 by Drew Estate. Uh, if you've ever seen an Undercrown cigar, you're going to be like, oh, that looks a lot like the Undercrown Maduro, only it has a gold ribbon over the top, which designates that it is. The, and there's also a little 10 underneath the the lion's head there. But um, otherwise, it is a very dark shaded wrapper. It also has a footband that says all decked out uh celebrating 10 years of undercrown let me tell you a little bit about this cigar um and then we'll go from there it is a six, six by 52 toro mexican san andres wrapper connecticut broadleaf binder nicaraguan filler i'll say price point till last uh the undercrown's 10th anniversary line first of all in this little uh wrapper deal you'll see a lot of guys online uh move it to the side like so, and, uh-huh. they'll, and they'll cut the wrapper with a V-cut and then stick it back in there and tighten it so it's like a thong. They'll actually smoke it with the the ribbon on there. I I, I just I just uh, pull it out. I yeah, like, I mean. I was just giving you a heads up. There, there's options. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Oh, uh, yeah. That's... I could take my underwear off, wrap it around the cigar, smoke it through that. That's an option. That's not going to uh, happen. Well, I'll turn off the Zoom really, really fast. If uh, oh no, 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 I'm here to work. 
Working for the weekend? Like, what? <laughs> Hit my music. <laughs> um, uh, the Underground's 10th anniversary line was first shipped unbanded, uh, completely naked to consumers as a mystery cigar as part of Drew Estate's Freestyle Live event back in May of this year, where the cigar was formally introduced to consumers. I, of course, guessed correctly what the mystery cigar was, while so many other suckers failed and they were guessing all sorts of crazy stuff. I, I guessed that it was the underground tent. If you remember, there was once a website on the internet that said I was the best at doing something with cigars. I forget what it was. There uh, once was. That is true. They got shut down quickly after they said that about me. I lost <laughs> all credibility, but you know. We have a very long history with the Drew State's Undercrown line here on the show. The Undercrown Shade <laughs> Grand Toro was ranked as our number two cigar of the year back in 2015. The Undercrown Sungrown Corona was ranked our number nine cigar of 2017. And most recently, this surprised me. Uh, it shows you how <laughs> the, the Undercrown Sungrown Dojo Dogma release was given our number three spot on last year's list. I remember that. I liked it. I like the, uh, I, I like, yeah, I like the, uh, dogma, the sun grown. I do like the sun grown. I, I have not smoked a, a dojo dogma since. And I was like, holy shit, number three. Okay. Uh, and I've also reviewed a bunch of other impressive underground releases on our website, Tuesday night cigar club.com, such as the shade flying pig, which is mm-hmm. awesome. And the shady XX limited release they do with M&M. Yeah. Every once in a while. And the original Undercrown Maduro, the one that this is celebrating 10 years of, is one of my favorite. We've actually never featured that on the show. Is one of my favorite go-to sticks of all fucking time. I've probably smoked more Undercrowns, maybe than any other premium cigar ever. It's one of the first cigars that made me fall in love with premium cigars, with the Drew State culture. It is, it's got a special uh, place in my heart. So I'm extremely pumped to light this sucker on fire. Flame on, boys. Light them up. And while you guys get going, uh, what'd you get on the cold draw, Tut? Uh, I got a little barnyard there. Some rodeo stuff, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, I got some raisin. I got some sweet raisin sweetness. There's... Gax, did you get sweet, sweet raisins? Yeah. Sweet raisins and a little bit of hickory. Hmm. I'm excited. Okay. Uh, as you guys get going, as far as tonight's pairing is concerned, um, this is our better late than never Thanksgiving episode. I don't think we've done one in the last six years. We may have. I don't. I may have said those same fucking stupid turkey puns in some other Thanksgiving <laughs> show. And now that I say that, I think I probably did. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> It is the 400th anniversary this year of the first Thanksgiving Day celebration. So 400 years for Thanksgiving, 10 years for Underground. And on top of that, our film tonight stars cinema legend Bruce Campbell, who first graced movie screens exactly 40 years ago in 1981 as Ash and the original Evil Dead. Really? So, so this is Bruce Campbell's 40th anniversary. As In the industry. As not only as part of the movie business, but one of my favorite actors in the whole wide world. So a lot of anniversaries, a lot of milestones being celebrated this evening. Okay. Um, I'm going to light this up. Don't be surprised. I actually am still eating Thanksgiving leftovers. So 
if I get notes of uh, pecan pie or mashed potatoes, uh, just bear with me. Todd, do you know what jazz lovers put on their mashed potatoes? What's that? Groovy. Oh. And I think you can call foul on that one. Oh, man. Gobble, gobble. I mean, literally a foul, like a penalty should be assessed. <laughs> uh, I am getting a very distinct uh, medium to full black pepper through the nose. Um, to me, it is not mild. Uh, that that retro is, is pretty potent in the early goings. And then I'm getting a really nice... Uh, French roast black coffee mixed with a woodsy kind of, uh, like I said, it's almost like the cold draw, like a, a hickory or a, an oak coming through on the on the draw. Very woodsy and coffee heavy. And uh, to me, that retro is Yagboy is pretty, pretty ballsy, actually. Tut? See, that's weird because I'm siding a little bit with Yak on the black pepper. Uh, it was there on that first light. It was like, Boom, and then it sat down immediately. It was like there was a huge, are, there was huge guys, pepper on that retro hill. Then it just set its ass down. Uh, and then I've are, got. You guys are a little ahead of me though, so that might be it. Might be I, uh, I'm, I'm missing the, the, the coffee and the sweetness, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely getting that woodsiness, but. I'm I'm getting more of a it's sliding into mineral. I mean it's sliding it's starting to slide heavy mineral. Okay, well let's uh get back to that because I am still getting really potent uh, pepper spice through the nose. And that's not and that's not to say it's not there. I mean it's there, but to me it's a very pleasant one. Oh, it's it's I'm enjoying the hell out of it. But uh yeah, when Yaks described it as kind of a mild. But I'm, it's not playing mild for me at all. Um, and that, that nice coffee and the hickory. And, yes, there is a little bit of mineral starting to show up on the draw. But uh, I'm definitely getting that. Okay. Well, let's uh, get back this bad. Oh, it is typical under. I mean, this thing is smoking. Yeah. <laughs> just pouring. Like it just elected a new pope. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, actually, Todd, I like that Pope analogy. I'll, uh, next time a soon to be defunct website wants my take on anything, I might steal that from you. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, well, hey, while we're, um, let's go with put touch just the first uh, blessing there. There you go. Uh, well, hey, while we're getting these things going and burning, uh, our resident beer expert, the proprietor and sexiest bartender. Uh, currently working at O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown historic Temple, Texas. I didn't mean to say that you weren't always the. I didn't mean the sexiest bartender currently working. The sexiest bartender to have ever worked and ever will saddle up behind the bar at O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown historic Temple, Texas. Nice the save. Cock, nice save. The cock with the walk. The... <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't. I can't listen to it anymore. I just threw up a big turkey. Uh, yeah, boy, he knows a lot about booze. How's that? That works. I like it. Okay. Uh, he's going to introduce tonight's beers, and I'm going to have him start with himself for once. With me? Yeah, that's right. 
I am having from UFO Brewery out of Boston, Massachusetts, founded in 1998, their UFO White Ale. It is a wheat-based ale. 5.1% 5.1% 11 IBUs and with the current subject tonight of our movie I figured UFO works it does it does if they UFO. didn't make a pulsating zombie alien parasite IPA I looked I couldn't find it I did find it that's what I'm drinking tonight you son of a bitch you just got to look a little harder buddy uh how is it I never heard it's of very it. Good. it it's light now that was kind of the thing I was looking for because I was like Underground 10, I didn't want to really interject too much. I didn't want to have to have it, to, it compete against the beer anyway. So I went with something just flavorful and very theme appropriate, but light. Where did you say UFO was out? I've never heard of that brewery. Uh, it's out of uh, uh, Boston. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh well, we do deal with a extraterrestrial presence in tonight's film. So a uh, pairing achieved Yak Boy. Uh, let's see if Tut took a little, uh, put a little thought into his pairing tonight. What's he got? He went with uh, the wonderful Tup's Brewer, Brewing mm-hmm. Company out of McKinney, Texas. He chose, and this is the, uh, <clears throat> the Ugly Sweater Holiday Spice Amber Ale. It's all one. It's just one giant sentence. God, that sounds horrible. <laughs> uh, 5.2%, uh, 10 IBUs. It is an amber ale. Of course, Tups, we've had many of their delicious beers uh, here we just like, recently. We do like Tups. Uh, I like their Squirt Gun. I like their uh, – they, they do the Full Grown Dude series. Mm-hmm. Full Grown Woodsman, yes. Um, they do. They they actually have a um, full-grown uh, Christmas edition. I think it's full-grown mm-hmm. Sa- full-grown Santa, maybe. That's a yes. Im- it's an imperial stout with Christmas spices. I actually yeah. considered doing that for our next episode, but I, even Tups, who I trust, I I don't know, man, about Christmas beers. Tut. Eh. Oh, it's flat horrible. It is just as ugly as the name implies. It. It's all spice, no beer. Uh, it is, I mean, kudos to them for swinging for the fence. It's just not my not my thing. And I am glad that I have a ballsy cigar because that's the only thing that can stand up to this beer. Otherwise, you're going to be tasting all kinds of spice. Uh, well, I'm sorry about that, Todd. That sucks when you... Oh, that's all right. I'm going to drink the crap out of it. It's a swing, it's a swing and a miss. It happens. <laughs> Uh, soldier on to it do it well uh i will uh send you over to the doctor then uh doctor as loyal listeners know isn't currently able to smoke with us but he is thank god able to drink with us so why don't you uh, let us know what the doctor's drinking he is drinking the einstock white ale of course einstock we're very familiar with ice pirates Ice Pirates from Iceland. Yeah. Stock Brewing started back in 2011 in the uh, Akura Ray. Uh, they're just their brewery is just located 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle. 
Mm-hmm. So their beer is always cold. They use glacier water in their beer, correct? They do use glacier water. You can taste it. We did their pale ale on our Ice Pirates episode. and Yes, we did. It was delicious. Okay. Doctor, you enjoying it? I am. Um, Because it's a school night for me, I so often uh, stick with things that aren't overpowering. And so... uh, um, it's a good, nice, it's, it's, you know, white ale, obviously low in, in, in bitterness. Uh, it really begs to be, I feel like I've said this before recently with some beers I've had. It's a good beer. I think the blue canned Arctic ale, the one you guys had might be a little bit better of a beer. This is a good beer. This begs to be a, uh, a food beer. I can see this being a, a nice, uh, intoxicating food delivery assistant. You do say that. I, I tend to write in my episode notes for most of your beers that you mention, but I think that's just because you tend to drink a lot of the same types of beers. So it makes sense that you you make that you know that pairing with food uh, comment quite a bit because you drink you drink quite a bit of blondes and hefeweizens and and lighter stuff on the show. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice it's a nice tasting ale, uh, very smooth, and you can definitely taste that good cold glacier water. Excellent. All right. Well, I like Einstock. I think they're a cool little little company. And I always like the color of their cans. I do too. Uh, of course, Keith, when we had our voiceover announcer Keith A. Howe on that on that show, um, he pointed out to us that Vikings. Hold up your can, Doctor. It tuts cheesy ass can. Uh, Keith A. Howe uh, was quick to inform us that Vikings actually never wore horns on their helmets. Well, that's made by real Vikings, and they put the horns there, so suck it, Keith. I think Keith A. Howe knows a little bit more about Vikings than Vikings do. (laughs) Just saying. The guy's really smart. Uh, By the way, if you have not watched, I think it was like episode 99 or something, our Ice Pirates episode. Uh, That that, that was a blast having Keith here, so uh, go check that one. That's a fun fun show. Uh, All right. Well, we'll save the best for last. Yeah, boy, I have two beers, and I've already shifted beers. And I'm very disappointed. Um, Wait a minute! I thought I've already—I thought I already went. What's that? I thought I already went. You did already go. Oh, but oh. you said that you were saving the best for last. Uh, doctor, if you've got a Thanksgiving Day pun to come in here with, that'd be really good. I don't know. I think you and Todd have grown apart, and now you're just birds of a different feather. <laughs> oh. Uh, you know what you call a turkey the day after Thanksgiving, Doctor? Lucky. That's actually true, yeah. Well, here's what I started out with. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this one, Yaks? Double Galaxy from Ingenious Brewing. Ingenious Located. Brewing. Located in Humble, Texas. We are quite familiar with Ingenious Brewing. The Double Galaxy is 8.2%. It's at 60 IBUs. It is a double IPA, a hazy double IPA. Uh, of course, now you're almost using exclusively Galaxy hops, obviously the double Galaxy. Uh, we're, like I said, we're well acquainted with Ingenious. Uh, we've had uh, here just recently uh, the adult, you had the adult Icarus. Oh, okay. On I didn't realize that. Uh, Tuttle did the Stout Chocula on 145. I had their King Cake. 
uh, stout way back on 132, several years ago at this point. Right. I I like their Kid Icarus, I believe. Um, this, this pint can came in a four-pack, as many craft beers nowadays do. 19 bucks a four-pack. Uh, I, I obviously was drawn to it as an IPA lover and Double Galaxy, certainly this pinkish uh, planet down here. It certainly fits our extraterrestrials uh, vibe from tonight's movie. They definitely come from another galaxy. So I got into the corner of hope tonight as we were setting up. I poured a pint. Odorless. Tasteless. It's not what you want from your double IPA. It's not what I want from a $6 can of beer. <laughs> uh, nothing. Nothing going on. Odorless and tasteless. So in the words of Homer Simpson, I'll save those for when I'm already drunk. Uh, yeah, I was really disappointed. Uh, so obviously it paired well with the cigar because I was just tasting the cigar as the beer had really nothing going on uh, going on for it. So I quickly shifted gears to my second beer, Yaks, which I am happy to report is so far much, much better both as a beer and as a pairing partner and why don't you tell us a little bit about this guy yes equilibrium brewing located in middletown new york this is their mc cubed normally people think of mc squared but this is the mc cubed it is a triple ipa there we go 10 percent. but i couldn't find anything on the ibus not six, six, 65, 70-ish. Okay. Um, they, don't, they don't list it here either. Um, first of all, the beautiful citrus aroma. Exactly what you want out of a double, triple, quadruple IPA. It just smells delicious. A peach and some mango. Uh, very, uh, I put the, I, I said 60 to 70. I put the bitterness a little above 70. It's got a real nice hop kick on the back end. Very citrus forward on, on the sip. No maltiness really present. Um, now, Yax is going to tell me it's like infused with 30,000 different malts. Uh, <laughs> did, no, did, no. Were you able to find anything out about that? They call it the malt apocalypse. <laughs> the, M, the, M, the M to the third power is malts. <laughs> uh, the C is Cade, you're a sucker. He doesn't know shit. Their double IPA, uh, MC Squared, uh, is basically, it's a, uh, they have another IPA uh, called the Photon, which is, they built upon that as their base and just kept going up. Uh, they basically use a, as they call it, a, a, is it expl- as the Photon explodes into a rainbow of flavors, the uh, they built upon that and into the MC squared and the uh, MC three is basically the maximum permissible dose of hop steroids. I'm not sure what that means. I pay the fool for IPAs. Oh shit! I was gonna show you. Oops, sorry. <laughs> It's the uh, stuff, man. It's the stuff. He raged. He raged. Well, so quick. You can see why I chose it. It has like a nebulous, like a, a out in space, like a 
what do you call those circular thing? Like a is that a nebula? Black hole. Like a black hole, it but it's nebula. but it's purple and pink, like the, the the color vibes of tonight's movie. And look, it's got one of those big white ropey things shooting out of it, like in our movie. That could be the planet in there from which tonight's aliens came. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of see that. I mean, strictly from a pairing perspective, just the artwork on the can work really works. It, it would have looked a lot better if I didn't crush it in a giant <laughs> roid rage. Don't it, 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 it. <laughs> it's easy to put on 20 pounds of muscle over the summer when all you drink is double IPAs all day. <laughs> That doesn't that doesn't make any sense at all. You try drinking double IPAs all day. You'll put on some pounds, Doc. Oh, I'm, I have no doubt about that. Uh, okay, so yeah, this one is much better, man. Uh, just the just the kind of I, I love the Imperials uh, when they've got just that real heavy citrus on the front end, kick the bitterness to the back. But man, the aroma is just awesome. This one was actually more this one was like 24 bucks for a four pack but that's okay i i feel like i'm getting my money's worth out of this one i have never paid this much for canned beer ever like (laughs) for the show i also got like another four pack just as a backup in case these suck i spent like 50 bucks in beer for a 12 pack basically which isn't that crazy if you go out and drink at bars and stuff but i don't know do i just sound cheap yeah, you're starting to. Uh, well, I'm not. Right? <laughs> Careful, Todd. He's on the stuff. On the hop steroids. He's juiced. Mm, the only thing juiced here is this wonderful tropical citrus heavy IPA. Oh, okay. Well, real quick, uh, let's get to the cigar. Uh, dude, this is reminding me very much of. Uh, Liga Nine territory as far as that woodsy oak and coffee on the draw that I love in the nine. Um, and then, which, you know, this does have a Connecticut uh, broadleaf binder. Um, but then that spice that I'm getting more so, at least I was, I don't know if you guys have changed, that spice on the retro is so characteristic of that Mexican San Andres wrapper. Uh, think the, let's stick in Drew Estate territory here. Think of the, the Norteño, the retro hail on that bad boy. Uh, to me, it's just a beautiful spice, and that that hickory and coffee are playing together beautifully. That mineral is underneath it all on the draw, and the construction is just look at that stack of fat nickel ash. Um, I, I'm really enjoying it. How about you guys? Yeah, and I, I agree. I think it is sliding into Liga territory. I wish I was picking up a little bit more of the woodsy stuff. Uh, I'm still heavy in into the mineral. Uh, the spice on the retro hills there. I think an Ortenio comparison isn't out of bounds. I think that that's pretty good. Uh, spice wise. Yeah. Uh, I so I, I'm I'm really really digging the cigar. I I would like to get more of that woodsy stuff though. But yeah, I'm yeah. happy with I'm happy with the mineral. Well, give it time. I uh, are you are you getting it at all, Jackboy? The mineral uh, very is just a nice steady. Just completely steady in the background, like y'all said, but the, the hanging on to just a little bit of that sweetness. The spice has picked up a notch, but I mean, it, it in that, and like you mentioned, the, the, I'm getting that little bit of coffee. Not too much, like you said, with the hickory. I'll, I'll have to say, I'm not, hopefully, I'm, I'm 
getting close to halfway, so maybe it's going to pick up. But okay, it, I know what I know what it is. It's blasting everything that's not a not dominant. You think the cinnamon, nutmegs, uh, cookie sprinkles, and uh, chocolate chips might be? In the hey, I'm, I'm just I'm just glad I can pick out the mineral and and the spice on the retro hell that I like. Um, yeah, they're 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 definitely there. Um, and, and uh, that woodsiness, it, it it's oaky to me, but I would also accept mesquite as an answer. Got a problem with that? Pretty sure you said hickory earlier. Uh, it went from hickory to an oakiness, and now mm. it's kind of a an oaky mesquite blend. Well, let's hope it doesn't turn into hackberry. You know, that's never a good thing. Apple smoked bacon. This is like you've got the brawny lumberjack in your mouth. <laughs> Something you know about? Is that pine? <laughs> I know pine. No pine. And you, you, you watch yourself, Doctor. <laughs> I think that might have been more inappropriate than when Tut said that some, rubbing that one cigar was like rubbing Indiana Jones in your hand. I just said I had the brawny lumberjack paper towel guy in my mouth. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said Indiana Jones's jacket. His jacket. Oh, like he threw it on a coat rack and then you were touching it? Yeah, then I was touching it. Oh, you weren't like following around on his little adventures? Well, I was. Oh, yeah. In your dreams with a little New York Yankees cap on. <laughs> when no one is looking, you would jacket. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, hey, speaking of cigars, you know who makes some damn fine ones like this? Drew Estate. Hey, they actually do make some fine ones just like this. That's right, uh, Drew Estate. And they're about to make someone a whole lot richer. During its latest freestyle live show on the company's Facebook live page, facebook.com forward slash Drew Estate Cigar, Drew Estate announced that it will hold a Bitcoin sweepstakes with numerous incredible prizes during upcoming freestyle live events, including a grand prize of one full Bitcoin for a lucky fan to be announced during the February 17th, 2022 edition of Freestyle Live. And yes, doctor, I know there's not an actual Bitcoin. Oh, and I just made the white supremacy symbol, right? Man. No, you said okay. No, I was trying to show a coin, and I – God, I hate the world. Everything's coming out now that he's taking those steroid beers. <laughs> I'm sucking off the brawny guy. I'm making white supremacy Inhibi- symbols. Inhibitions are lowered, and we're getting the real K tonight. I think we might end on 150 episodes, boys. This might be it. <laughs> Uh, this yeah. is MC cubed. I, I'm not a white supremacist. I hate those guys. I, like a Bitcoin, like this, figuratively, because it just exists out in the imaginary zone. But anyway, uh, entry into the unheralded Drew Estate Bitcoin sweepstakes is simple. During each of the company's three freestyle live events, there was two previously in October and uh, back in November, and the upcoming January 20th, 2022. So you do have another chance. The company will randomly select the names of five people who attend the online show and comment during specific times in each broadcast as potential winners of an assortment of fantastic prizes. Dude, a brand new Ford electric truck, a little ATV. I say little, it's like a, you know, a pretty kick-ass little ATV, a full-size Drew Estate hand-carved bar. That's what I want to win. 
the five winners from each of these three shows will create the contestant pool of 15 people eligible to win the grand prize Bitcoin. Uh, you know, last I checked, it was over 50 grand. Somebody's going to win. So uh, you got to tune in to win. So you'd be crazy not to do it. So go do it. Uh, I'd also like to take a moment to talk about something else. Very cool. Cigar World. Cigar World is an online site for cigar smokers. There you can get cigar news, reviews, and a whole lot more. Also on the site is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab. There you can sign up to give your input on new cigars by taking surveys and testing cigars. Check it out at cigarworld.com forward slash testing lab. You might just see the TNCC doctor there doing some wacky experiments. I love a good lab environment. Do you have any interesting stories back from your laboratory days as a young student back at uh, the Poughkeepsie Institute of Technology, the Pitts? Uh, none that I'm really allowed to talk about for legal purposes, but, uh, you know, there were some things that I tried in the name of science and that were considered, you know, abominations and against human <laughs> nature. But, Ooh. I mean, you know, you, you've got to, the real pioneers forge onward, breaking new ground. But you didn't do that. No, good heavens, no. Oh, okay. I attempted to. It just it failed miserably. Uh, you ever go to any of your class reunions back at Poughkeepsie State? It's the Poughkeepsie Institute of the Technical Sciences, otherwise known as the PITS. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Uh, I am what's known as persona non grata. Oh, I had some of that the other day with the... Uh, no, no, no. It's not Italian marinara, dish. A marinara sauce on the... Oh. Uh, I believe it's the name of one of the earlier albums by the police. <laughs> Persona non grata two, I believe. Yeah, early stuff before before the synchronicity days. Yeah, uh, <laughs> back when they were good, if you ask me. Okay, boys. Well, we've introduced the beers. Sounds like we're all definitely on four different pages beer wise. Uh, Tut just growling over there at his terrible mistake. Uh, drink your mistakes, boys. Drink your mistakes. Uh, that's true. Not just drink away your mistakes, drink your actual mistakes. Um, so that leaves only one thing. We got a good, so far, a wonderful cigar. I finally have found a, a really good beer. So there's only thing one left in our pairing triangle of subject matter night, the film. And just for Tut, I went with a brand new release because I had a feeling his beer selection was going to suck. And I wanted to make him. <laughs> I wanted to make him smile because he loves to watch new movies. And this sucker just dropped at the end of November, Black Friday. I realize we're just a little bit past Black Friday, but we're also just, we're also just a little bit past Thanksgiving. And so far, we've dropped like a gazillion Thanksgiving references. So, uh, we're always just a little bit behind the curve. That's just, <laughs> that's just where we like it. It's just where we like. It. Or we could be ahead of the curve for next Thanksgiving. Eh. Yeah, we're we're just slow. We're slow. Yeah. Uh, you can call me late. Just don't call me late for Thanksgiving supper. Right, guys? That, that's right. That's, yeah. Doctor, is there a bomb dropping on you? Do you hear that? No, it's the airplane that's flying over. Oh, I heard it, and then I saw the doctor look up. And yeah, I, I, I was wondering where that was coming from. It definitely sounded like an incoming round. I thought I'd, I thought that maybe the Poughkeepsie people heard that he was talking a little bit about his 
Science yeah, experience. They, they, they've got my location zeroed, and somebody pressed that red button they've been threatening to do for the last couple decades. Apparently, they've got some kind of contingency plan in case the doctor starts talking a little bit. <laughs> that military guy comes home from the school. What if the doctor opens his mouth? Christ, Ethel, I don't know. <laughs> no this before. What's for dinner? Lamb chops, your favorite. Had them for lunch. <laughs> it just always usual crap. Which have you noticed that Cody's turned into that guy? <laughs> Every time you ask him, "What? Hey, Yax, how's your day?" Crap. <laughs> I surprised him. <laughs> He came home one day. I surprised him. I cooked him some lamb chops, and he had him for had him for lunch. The way you had him for lunch, you were just in a bad mood. Admit it. Nobody's eating lamb chops for lunch. And did he turn on you? Christ, Kate, I don't know. <laughs> Needless to say, I slept on the sofa that night. Well, no, no, I, I should have made those Thanksgiving puns, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I, I guess we're just gonna, let's just call this thing off and watch Turn of Living Dead. <laughs> I I think things are about to go gangbusters here, folks. Strap into your seats, get ready because we're about to talk about the film Black Friday. Tonight's movie was written by Andy Grezkoviak. Hope I said that correctly, and directed by Casey Tebow. No relation to Tuttle's man crush, Tim Tebow. The legendary college quarterback and the failed NFL tight end. All mm. the same person. But no relation to Casey that you know of. No, this guy spells it T-E-B-O. Of course, he's won more uh, playoff games than the Bears have. Uh, he, have he actually has, yes. Um, how, many, how many of you guys won since then? I was about to say, and the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what are these? What are these playoffs of which you speak? I don't know. It's playoffs. Some kind of playoffs. It's something they do for fun after the season's over. I think just for extra. You guys, you guys, quit talking about those third and fourth or seventh worlds from Game of Thrones, okay? I don't know what playoffs are. <laughs> Some sort of magical land. Uh, you guys ready to talk about this movie? Yeah, sir. Okay. If if uh, if during the point, you guys get any holy shit moments in the cigar let me know for me it's just that woodsy coffee very league of nine-esque profile on the draw uh but a, a, just a very more distinct spice than a league of nine through the nose which I, i'm attributing to that san andres wrapper which is kind of cool because it's like if you've ever wondered what a a league of nine with a more spice forward retro would would be like this kind of has it and it's got the smoke prof- profile mm-hmm. of a liga to uh I'm digging it. Yes. I, I, I don't can't really play something like it in the Drew catalog so far. Which makes sense. Why would you put out a cigar you already have something like? Yeah. But uh very cool. Oh man. Hold on. Hold 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 everybody stop what you're doing. Just a very slight hint of vanilla. Oh, yeah, there's no way I'm tasting that. Well, I'm sure you will, but it'll be vanilla, <laughs> the vanilla syrup in your in your beer. You'll get it, Yax. Look for it. On the back end of that spice on the retrohale, you're going to get a little tiny touch of vanilla. 
Mm. Okay. So we kick things off with Black Friday, the film, by joining an older guy named Monty as he works the late shift at the Walmart Superstore. Yeah. Uh, on the night before Thanksgiving, preparing the store for Black Friday shopping. But just as he's attempting to hang the store's Black Friday banner, in the dark, for some reason, all these stores' interior lights are turned off, so he's up there with a flashlight. I'll just get this out of the way now. A huge pet peeve of mine, I'm sure I've mentioned it a couple times over 150 episodes, is when thing, stores or hospitals or that would never be dark have all the lights off like the workers are there set up for Black Friday, you're gonna have the lights turned on. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's all Mart. They have money. They can they can afford to have the, the fluorescent lamp. But he's up there with his flashlight. And all of a sudden a meteor crashes through the ceiling and lands down below. And when Monty goes over to investigate, he finds a gelatinous clump of pink illuminated pulsating orbs on the ground. Kind of reminded me of my mother's day's Thanksgiving, my mother-in-law's Thanksgiving's Day roasts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Not getting himself invites back for next year's Thanksgiving is Mr. Cade. No, that's how you want it. You want a pink on the middle. You want, you want a pink roast. Oh, was it just pulsating orbs? I think that's yes. Uh, it didn't it didn't sound complimentary <laughs> at all. But before I can say what the f- I'm sorry, before Monty can say what the fuck is that? Uh, actually, he does have enough time to say that. Just before a slimy appendage emerges from one of the pink sacks and comes right in his face. I mean, that's basically what this thing does. A little thing that's shaped kind of like a, a headless dick sticks out of it and spooges white jizz all over his face. Didn't that's- make that connection, but I mean... I don't know how else to describe it. That's what I saw. Maybe it's something we can devote some time to. Is that what, Tud, is that how you saw it? Off to a rocky start. The movie, not not your trusty narrator. To be determined. A few moments later, I'm dude, really? You guys didn't get a jizz thing out of this whole movie every time these ropey wads of white gooey stuff shoot out of these things? I don't know. I mean, I guess there's two kinds of people. Some people's <laughs> mind immediately goes to jizz, and some people's minds who don't. What'd you go to, Spider-Man's lips? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't make any analogy. I just, you know. Okay. When I, I thought it was just like some kind of fungus. Not an alien organism. Well, it's an organism's orgasm. Unfortunately, I can tell you that I am going to be referred to it as jizz quite a bit because my spell check, when I was writing up my notes, kept changing it to jazz. And I was like, no, I want, I want jizz. And right then my, my neighbors were walking their dog and I'm like, I want jizz, damn it. That <laughs> came hitting the keyboard real hard. I want jizz. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Uh, well, a few, <laughs> a few moments later when a couple of coworkers, um, uh, and then, you know what, that's an elderly couple and I, I, I'll, I'll clear it up with them at some point. Um, uh, might be too late. It might be, it might be too late. Uh, a few minutes later when a couple of coworkers come to check up on Monty, we see that he's transformed into something else. 
something that's now growling and covered with pussy lesions. And as Monty, or what used to be Monty, attacks his buddies, we cut to the opening credits, which are comprised of black and white blurry news footage of Black Friday crowds uh, trying to get into stores and going crazy, while an upbeat Christmas jingle plays over it all. I, I, I kind of got the vibe of the Dawn of the Dead remake. You know, it's what they're the, trying to do, yeah. yeah. The, the news footage with a kind of a classic jingle. and Yeah. Obviously, that's kind of an iconic opening credits at this point. But I, I, I like the Christmas music, and I, you know, I didn't know what we were getting into here, so I was, I was okay with it. Um, but then we cut to a minivan pulling up to a house in the suburbs where Ken Bates, talk about the ultimate white dude name, is dropping off his two daughters at his ex-wife's house for Thanksgiving dinner. Doctor, who's the actor playing this white dude? Uh, that would be former... Uh teen idol of some renown Devin Sawa yeah he uh when we were coming up he was uh the star of a movie called Idle Hands okay with Jessica Alba where a a demon would possess your severed hand and make it do stuff and then uh he I believe he was also in the Final Destination films uh yeah I wasn't I'm not as familiar with those I think he might have been at least in the first one yeah, I only saw the first one, so that's made sense because I couldn't place where I knew this guy. Uh, Idle, Hand, Idle Hands I've seen. I've seen the first Final Destination, but, but I still couldn't tell, place him. Tut, we spent a lot of time with this guy on the podcast. Do you remember, oh. do you remember the John Travolta film, The Fanatic, where he was the obsessed? Oh, is he the dude? <laughs> He's the movie actor. Oops. That John Travolta stalks and... It, takes prisoner. Well, now it makes sense of as to why I recognize this guy. Well, here's the deal. This guy has turned into a really good actor as an adult because he plays a very different character than in The Fanatic. Yeah. Uh, he, he was a very a kind of an ex-Hollywood star turned doing the convention circuit kind of <sighs> bitter, kind of burned out uh, jerk in that movie. And he plays, he does not play that at all here. Um, I yeah he uh, also played a very different role. Uh, I I gave up on the show, but uh, I watched the first few episodes of the the Sci-Fi Channel Chucky show, and uh, he's in that as he plays like a uh, a very wealthy you know father of one of the teenagers in it, and he he was he was really good in that too. Isn't that isn't that isn't I don't know if it's depressing or if it's just kind of weird, or maybe it's kind of cool. I don't know that an actor that we first grew up with being kind of our age as a teenager in final destination, all that is now in Chucky playing the father of teenagers. That is what it is. I mean, you know, you cope with it or get depressed over it, I guess. And I am coping. Two words. <laughs> Drink up boys. Uh, okay. Uh, well, yeah, Ted, we, we did a whole movie on this guy, and we all liked him in that movie. I, no. I think we all thought he was really good. He wasn't Travolta-level good in that thing. Tra- Travolta rocked that. I was part. about to say, just you mentioning The Fanatic, I actually need to go back and revisit that movie. I remember liking it a lot. Doctor, I don't think you were there for that one. Uh, uh, no, I don't recall that. It's directed by Limp Biscuit's Fred Durst. Okay. And it, it, it basically plays... Don't let it fool you. John Travolta as this socially awkward mullet. Mullet. He 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 has the hairstyle of who's the guy that owns the Raiders? 
<laughs> Mark Davis, Al Davis's son. Yeah, he's got the Mark Davis hairdo, and uh, oh man, it's a weird movie, but it, it was good. Okay. Well, anywho, this guy pulls up to his ex-wife's house to drop off his kids for Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, Ken's Young's daughters can't stand their new stepdad, Grant, they say, because he uses Axe body spray, Yak Boy style, and farts all the time, Tut style. That's fair. (laughs) I don't use Axe. (laughs) No? He's got his own. He's got Yak's body spray. (laughs) (laughs) Yak's body spray. Okay. Uh, And honestly, Yak's, I just threw that out there. But you, you do tend to let it loose. It's biological. I can't help it. But Ken tells them, hey, heroes like himself, along with police and firefighters, have to work on the holidays. So go, ha- go have fun with your new family. Only Ken's job isn't anyway considered emergency services, is it yet? It is not. What does he do for a living? Why, he works retail. At- I feel his pain. <laughs> That's true. Retail workers and bar owners are really the only ones that have to show up in the holidays, right? Pretty much, yes. And cops and, and firemen. But yeah, he totally compares himself to cops and firemen, and he's he's going to work uh, register at a register at a toy store. Uh, well, next up, Ken drives over to pick up a young dude half his age named Chris that works with him at the toy store. Chris is a clean freak germaphobe who still lives with his parents. Which wouldn't be such a bad thing in your early 20s if your dad didn't charge you rent and he wasn't a ginormous dickhead. Dude, he was a big dick, bro. Yeah, this guy's just trying to get out of his house and go to work. He's like, can you keep it down, Chris? We're trying to have Thanksgiving dinner. He's actually got a job. He's trying to live up to your bullshit rules. Man, that dad was a... I'm going to call that dude Thanksgiving dickhead dad. <laughs> As they drive to work, Chris moans about having to work while everyone else watches football <sighs> and eats pumpkin pie. But Ken tops that story by telling his friend that he and his daughters ate Thanksgiving Day breakfast together, which is just as sad as it sounds, he says. And it actually does make Chris feel a little bit better. Like, there's nothing more depressing than Thanksgiving breakfast. Uh, As they drive, they can't help but notice when they go by the giant Walmart superstore is totally dark, which doesn't make much sense as Black Friday grows near. We then arrive at We Love Toys, L-U-V. We love toys, a big chain toy store in the vein of Toys R Us, which are sadly not a thing anymore. I think three, four years ago, they, they went under. Um, so I, I don't think there's any big chain toy stores anymore. Uh, this, no. film was, this film was actually shot in a old abandoned Babies R Us, which we went to all the time with our first kid to register for baby stuff and gut baby stuff and uh, but I don't think any of those things exist. It's all online now. It's kind of sad. Uh, yeah. Well, there's already a crowd of holiday shoppers lined up along the front entrance to the store. My favorite were the middle-aged husband and wife. And dude, this guy looks like ass. He's got like veins are starting to kind of blow up around his eyes. And he's got, you know, just snot running down. So he's like, honey, I don't feel so good. And she's like, you're fine. <laughs> like rolls her eyes. <laughs> looking at him like, this chick is just zeroed in on that door opening and getting some savings. Um, poor bastard. As Ken and Chris clock into work, they're greeted by warehouse manager Archie, played by longtime cinematic badass Michael J. White. Oh, oh yeah. Loved him. Spawn loved him. himself. 
Spawn himself, uh, Black Dynamite himself. Black Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Black Dynamite. My favorite Michael J. White role. And uh, dude, did you, you guys ever see? I don't think it was actually in the film. There was deleted scenes of him and Kill Bill. Yeah, I never saw uh, the deleted Ooh. scenes. Now. Yeah. Oh, you gotta look. You gotta try to track those down. Okay. Uh, this dude is just a. Not only is he a martial arts champion, isn't he? Yeah, not only is he just extremely talented martial arts guy. Why he was never in an Expendables film, I don't understand. No, because he's got the action chops. I I always think he's one of those guys that even if you don't know exactly who he is, you know you've recognized him from somewhere. And he's just, uh, he's, to me, he's a presence. He's a screen presence. Well, I think his voice just as much as martial art. The guy's oh, just yeah. got this dominant, just awesome trademark voice, but... Uh, if you're not familiar with his work, I say go straight to Black Dynamite because he really gets to show a sense of humor, um, playing kind of a, a, a it's a spoof on the on the black exploitation flicks. Yeah. Oh my God, I love that movie. Uh, well, he's the warehouse manager, and as he sees his boys walk in, welcome to the shit show. Ken almost immediately starts flirting with Marnie, a very cute and visibly much younger coworker. You can tell they flirt a lot with each other and are comfortable with one another as they agree to go get pancakes when their shift is over at 6 a.m. Or as Ken jokingly referred to it as a 10-hour descent into hell. And he's not wrong. I actually worked retail sales one year during the holidays, and it was pure hell. Uh, do you guys remember the the big chain of stores, Circuit City? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, fresh out of college with my shiny uh psychology degree and my minor in philosophy i found myself imagine that working at circuit city selling vcrs and uh tvs with vcrs built into them that was my specialty and my god black friday was i don't remember a lot from that time frame because i drink myself to sleep every night and wonder where everything went wrong but man on Black Friday, we had like, it was because, you know, in the paper, they tell people what was, you know, the go-to things you're coming in to get. And we had a TV VCR combo for like $39.99. And I guarantee you the first 200 people to storm into that little store wanted that fucking thing. And my mission as a sales guy, all right, here's where we're going to get them. They're going to buy that TV VCR all built in one piece of shit. Oh, and the brand was Brock Sonic. I was going to say it must have been a piece of shit. <laughs> we, we in the business. We, you in Magnum. Was it Sorny? Panaphonics or Sorny? <laughs> we have the, uh, perhaps you've heard of Magnabox. <laughs> oh, man, I wonder what ever happened to Circus City. I don't understand what they care. No well, I, I've been told by my performance on that Black Friday, it directly led to the downfall of the entire company. Here's the deal. You get him to come in for the Broxonic TV VCR combo, 13-inch screen, by the way, which people don't realize till they come in here what a tiny screen that is. They're like, oh, that, oh, what, this? Like, it's like a teeny little thing. But the manager's like, well, here's, you know, like the manager in tonight's film, there's always a catch on these Black Friday deals. My job as the sales representative on the floor was, yeah, you can sell them that $39.99 thing, but then you got to get them on the five-year warranty for $69.99. And I, I was like, what? Like, dude, I grew up in this, this sit, this town. 
nobody come waking up at four in the morning to buy this thirty nine ninety nine. Is I said Brock Sonic. We called it the Broke Sonic because these things just. You're lucky if you got to watch one movie on these things. They're toast. I'm like, you expect these people to pay twice or double, triple the sticker price for a, an extended warranty? And he's like, yeah, that's your job. Oh my god, guys! Never in a million years have I questioned my life, my my choices, my my future like I did that Black Friday. And it was it was like a 16 hour shift. And I went across afterwards. I remember distinctly me and this other poor bastard. Uh, I think he had like a poetry degree or some shit from some liberal arts college. We walked, we didn't drive. We just walked across the busiest street in town to this Mexican restaurant and just started doing tequila shots until we couldn't feel feelings anymore. <laughs> and it was, it was, I was so numb from that, that, that experience. It was, it was, so I did have kind of a personal, I don't think they quite captured it, but that's not really the job of this movie to capture truly Brat, but Black Friday is a soul crushing experience if you're in retail. And, uh, and like I, I said, on a Black Friday, but I did in college have jobs in retail in, in malls. You, put, and you worked a lot in malls. Didn't you sell uh, the herbal life supplements? Uh, let's not go into what I may have sold to people who are now filing lawsuits. But uh, um, I, I do. Oh God, I, did, did you create Herbal Life in the Poughkeepsie lab? No, no, not uh-huh. that you know about. Uh, not as far as you know. Um, I certainly can see all, all of the retail jobs I had were summer. I think the latest I ever worked at one was until late October. So I never did get a taste of that that holiday uh-huh. uh, experience. So I imagine that can be pretty bad. But I'll say this: there were. There were a couple things in this movie. It's been it's been over two decades now yeah. um, since I've been in the professional workforce, which has its own set of problems. But I'll tell you what, there were a couple of things in this movie that, that brought back some 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 memories that were not so fond of, of those jobs. That and, and I did not have the, the Black Friday experience, just to no, deal with customers and 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 management type people in those. No, places. there actually there actually were, and I'll get into it uh, as we move along. I actually thought they could. I actually wish they had done a lot more of a deep dive into the retail worker, corporate America kind of ethos and environment. I thought that would have been really interesting to go more into it, but they they kind of do some surface level stuff. But uh, but yeah, doctor, I remember you. You worked at a shoe store in the mall, uh, a cigar shop in the mall. A cigar shop. Uh, those are probably the two big mall ones. And then I did video work store. Or the video store. Yeah, I had, I had several of the the retail jobs. Uh, uh, so it's been a while, but there 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 were some things there that I I could relate to. Well, let's uh, we'll get to those. Are you guys not getting any vanilla off of this? The tut, you're out of the equation. Jack <laughs> boy, are you getting a little blast of vanilla underneath that uh, retro hail under the spice? Not really, but then again, the the spice, like I said, is very minimal for me. I mean, it's I'm only picking it up on the retro hell at this point. Yeah, well, that's all I've ever gotten is on the retro hell. But for me, there's a little vanilla bean right out there underneath it, and it's playing really well with that uh, the woodsy coffee flavor. It's a it's a damn to me. I mean, I, I would the spice to me is not uh, has never been mild, and it's not mild now. It's steady medium. It's kind of holding the course. Touch. I feel like the, the coffee, that's been, you know, I've had that that 
thing has been prevalent through the whole thing. But I mean, everything else, I mean, the very woodsy, you know, I mean, I can't say hickory or mesquite or anything like that, but there's been a very wood note. I've had that. I've had a, a slight, like I said, that I even had it on just the cold draw, the aroma on the wrapper, but it's just a, that, that sort of raisin sweetness, but very mild. Okay. Uh, I am digging it. Todd, are you able to enjoy the cigar with that crazy beer? Yeah. Uh, the uh, nutmeg and cinnamon from my beer pretty much blast out the, the earthiness or the woodsiness. Uh, but the mineral is pretty, it's pretty prevalent. And unfortunately, I do like it. Uh, it's reminding me a lot of the Liga, that Liga mineral that was kicking through there. Uh, the spice on the Retro Hill is very pleasant. I've been enjoying that. Beer can't fuck with that, so that's the note I'm hanging on to. Hey, you win some, you lose some. The only thing is, is man, I'm smoking this thing really, really fast. Yeah, I had to actually slow down. Uh, I noticed that the construction-wise, it behaved a little better uh, with the draw keeping up and the burn if I slowed down just a just a little bit. Okay. Well, in the break room, Chris is being given a talking to by the... Oh, protect- I forgot to tell you, the uh, girl in tonight's uh, film, she stars as like one of the rogue thieves in the Chronicles of Shananana. Like with Bowser? No, it's a it's a MTV show called The Chronicle. Is it The Chronicles of Shannara? Shannara? Well, hold on, hold on. I don't the Tales of Shannara. Can, can is it I, The Tales of Shannara? Can, can I get Can I get to her first before we? Oh, I thought you just did. She was flirting. He was flirting with her. Oh, that chick. No, she's the main chick tonight. Marnie. Marnie. Yeah. She is in The Chronicles of Shannara. Yes. Shannara. 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 Yeah. Shannara. I was with Kate, like Bowser and Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) Did they do Elvira or was that the Oak Ridge Boys? That was the Oak Ridge Boys. But I think Shannara covered it. And actually, I was told that my, I was actually told that my poor performance that Black Friday at Circuit City was also caused the down, the downfall of the Oak Ridge Boys. They just had no more giddy up a oompa left. So hey, it wasn't all bad. I did some good <laughs> that day. Uh, at home, the Oak Ridge Boys making their hit list, my name on it, and there he is. Who would have thought the Circuit City salesman could wield so much influence by trying to sell warranties? Man. You know what the Circuit City mascot was? It was a plug, like a, a cord and a little plug with a smiley face on it, and his name was Pluggy. Oh, God. This hurts my spirit. Move on. Didn't get much lazier than Pluggy. What's more sad is that the guy that came up with that probably made a million dollars. Yeah, he did. He probably did. Uh, okay, so Marnie is in a, a MTV show. Yeah. Um, well, this other chick, well, Chris is in the break room washing his hands like crazy. This He hates germs. He's getting a, a scold. Uh, a very scold talking to by the perpetual employee of the month, Goody Two Shoes Anita, as he washes his hand for the tenth millionth time since clocking in. She informs him that corporate deemed the term Black Friday racist, so it's now Green Friday because green represents both Christmas cheer and money. As the store gets closer and closer to opening, we also get to meet the assistant manager Brian, 
played by expertly by a young actor named Stephen Peck. I liked him quite a bit. The new guy, Emmett, he tells uh, Ken, who he's supposed to train under, hey, my name's Emmett, but my friends call me M. You can call me M. And Ken's like, I, I can't do that. <laughs> I was gonna, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not calling you that. But he's, he's affable about it. He's not a dick about it. He's just like, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> There's an old lady working there named Ruth. And last but certainly not least, the store's manager of 27 years, the sweater-wearing, bow-tie-sporting, mustache-having Jonathan Wexler, played by the one and only, the very groovy Bruce Campbell. And I'm going to be honest, that's the only reason I gave this movie a shot. I had no, I had no idea what this movie was. Didn't know I have any idea what it was going to be about. But as soon as I heard Bruce Campbell was in it, I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Did you watch the trailer, or did he surprise you? Did not watch the trailer at all. So when he popped up on screen, or you saw his name in the credits? I saw his name. Yeah, I saw his name. Uh, over the store's intercom from the safety of his office, Mr. Wex- Mr. Wexler gives his team a pep talk. He encourages them that after OSHA changed some rules after a bunch of people got trampled to death uh, a couple of Black Fridays ago, be sure and look after each other once the doors open and be sure to let all the customers know that the popular Dower Dennis teddy bear doll has been recalled for an electrical issue. And we cut to a Dower Dennis teddy bear doll that the employees stick a defective sticker on downstairs as Dower Dennis says, um, um, I'm not doing well. I, I'm exhausted. My back hurts. Well, who would want Dower Dennis? The entire so, TNCC. He's so damn dour, right, Doc? I don't, I don't see how... Don't people like happy things in Toy Story? I wouldn't want a Dower Dennis. Oh, my family le- 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 left me. I don't blame them. <laughs> I'm going to say right now, Dower Dennis is in my top five characters in this film. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Wexler also informs them over the speaker that corporate will not be able to be, will not be able to offer them paid breaks tonight. And then he quickly gets off the thing, which pisses everyone off royally, but corporate corporate did send a cheap ass sheet cake for everyone to enjoy. So there's that. Fuck this Archie size as he holds out his coffee cup for Ken to pour some of his flask whiskey into. Mr. Wexler gets back on the mic and tells his people, put your game faces on, everybody. And remember, as much as these suburban savages are going to get under your skin, the customer is always right. He counts down from five, and then Wexler's underboss, Brian, unleashes the beast, opening the front doors to a small army of early bird shoppers. A Christmas-themed punk song plays as people frantically pull toys off the shelves, loading up their carts with anything they get their grubby hands on. They're not even looking at what it is. It's like, if it's on the shelf, it's going in their cart. Animals. All right, look. I get that it would be really hard for any movie that didn't have millions of dollars in the production design budget to create a legitimate, enormous, fully-stocked toy store. But did the sparseness of the shelves kind of make you guys like, Dude, they didn't really have that many toys on the shelves. That didn't bother me at all, actually. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even think about that. Okay. To me, it was like when they showed the wide shots of the toy store, there wasn't really that a lot of toys. Well, I mean, 
Yeah, I noticed that, but I didn't really give it too much because, I mean, obviously I could, like you just said, they didn't have the budget. I mean, it's not like they could actually rent it. It's not like they had a Toys R Us to rent out to, to get a couple of shots. So you're saying, yeah, well, you actually showed this movie a little bit of grace and understanding that I didn't. It's got Bruce motherfucking Campbell in it. Why wouldn't it? Okay. All right. I, well, yeah, I moved past it, but I was just like, you know, as they're supposed to do six figures of sales. And I'm like, there's not really that much on the shelves to, to sell, but. There's six toys in the whole store. Yes. Did the best they could with the resources available to them at the time. And, and I, and I was able to move past it. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, some old ladies fight over a giant stuffed unicorn. Some dude steals another dude's Paw Patrol playset when he's not looking out of his shot as card. It's pandemonium. Everyone's just running around at, at a sprint, just grabbing whatever they can get their, as doctor said, their grubby little hands on. Uh, as Marnie checks customers out, she starts to notice how sickly and spaced out many of them look. They kind of have this blank facade, you know, facade on their faces and their eyes are kind of bloodshot. Chris is also, Chris likes to work the floor, but he's been tagged by Brian to work one of the front registers, his least favorite task. And he's already getting into it with this old broad. And if you're working in a retail store, absolutely. You want to be on the floor. You don't want to be working the cash register. If you're working the register, you got to deal with every fucking son of a bitch that comes through the place. If you're on the floor, you can kind of hide a little bit here and there. Duck and dodge. It's, it's, Duck. A, better, it's, a, better, it's a better job. It you, you pretend to fix the shelves. People ask you for stuff, you show them where it is, but it's way better than being at the register. There's no respite inside if you're at the register. Also, when you ring up that sale, that's on you when that thing comes up asking to offer them the extended warranty. The only time that people looked at me more stupid when I offered them something than that $60 extended warranty on a $30 VCR TV combo was when I worked at the movie theater for years. And I would offer them the kid combo. I'm like, oh, you know what? You probably want the kid combo. It's a handful of popcorn, a fun size M&M, and a drink this big for $8. And they'd be like, fuck off. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, I just got to ask. Because just like this, my manager was like, you got to push the kid combos. And, and when they tell you to fuck off, the customer's always right. So you can't do it. You can't say anything back. You got to swallow yeah. that shit. I'll never forget one day at the movie theater, a dude actually are going to exercise some demons tonight. <laughs> for the most part, people, even jerks have, have a, a, you know, they, they realize these are high school kids working here or whatever. But I remember one time it was such an innocent thing. Our movie theater, we're in central Texas, which is Dr. Pepper country. Everybody drinks Dr. Pepper like water here. And for some reason, because we only had Coca-Cola products, we only serve Mr. Pibb. Instead of Dr. Pepper at the movie theater. Don't you tell me it's just like Dr. Pepper. Don't you tell me. Everybody had a problem with it, but they were mostly fairly nice. I'll never forget this one fucking shit kicker cowboy comes up to the thing. All right, let me get uh, two large Dr. Peppers, uh, large corn, nachos, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, we, uh, instead, of Dr. Pe- uh, instead of Dr. Pepper, we have Mr. Pibb. Would that be okay? You got to be fucking kidding me. No, I'm not. <laughs> I I'm 17. I, I I'm, not, I'm not witty enough to 
I'm not jazzing you. <laughs> Can I get you a Dr. Pepper? Fuck. Just make it Cokes. Oh, that dude was so pissed. I don't blame him. I always hated when people would be like, how would a Mr. Pip work? No, it wouldn't. I ordered a Dr. Pepper. I like Mr. Pip. Maybe it's because I drank it so much working at the movie theater. Yeah, but yours was laced with 151 or early <laughs> But I was, <laughs> and as a teenager, I was spiking it really. It was very little Mr. Pip. It's like can with a little flask. Just thing helps is, me get through the work day. The thing is, these dipshits would eat a hot dog that had been on the, the roller since the Paleozoic era. Still better than Mr. Pib. That's fine, but don't don't you give me Mr. Pib. That's still better than Mr. Pib. Well, this old lady is giving Chris the business. Would you hurry up? She barks at him as she pounds on the counter. Ma'am, I'm trying, he whimpers as he tries to get the register working properly. Oh, get it together, dickless, she says. We've already gone over this on the show. It's one of the worst things you can call somebody. Brian intervenes, the, the assistant manager. He asks, what's the sitch here? That's young people for situation. They call it the sitch. Oh, pussy boys taking forever, the grandma complains. Brian shuts down the lane and tells Chris in full disclosure that somebody just blew chunks all over the ride on toys, and he's assigning the store's biggest germaphobe to clean up the puke. All right. The two actors playing Chris and Brian are by far, outside of Bruce Campbell, my favorite two dudes in the film. I think these guys just rock every scene they're in. Do you guys agree? Oh, yeah. They're good. I liked I liked what Sawa did. Uh, I thought, it's, yeah, but for some reason, every time Chris and, and Brian, the assistant manager, they just seemed like they were just giving it. They went all in on their their kind of characters, and I loved it. I, I thought overall, I thought this movie was completely ace as far as casting and and performances. I'll go along with that. I like the actors. Okay. Tut, you said that very hesitantly. Mm. We'll get to it. Well, like actors, you have to give them something. You know what, Tut? Sometimes you've just got to take your Mr. Piv and drink it, Mister. <laughs> I feel like I did that tonight, or with this movie. Uh, oh, don't get me wrong. I have a lot of issues with this movie, but the 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 performances and the effort given by these these actors is not one of them. No, <laughs> there there was never there was never a time in this movie to where I was like, man, the actors are just kind of going through it. No, you're absolutely right. They went balls out for what they were doing, and I like them. Each one had like a nice little cool thing with their character, and I, I yeah, I'm not I'm not pooing on the actors at all. Okay, I'm gonna poo on something very quickly, and we'll see if you agree with me, Tut. I actually didn't think you would poo on anything in this film, so I'm kind of encouraged. Uh, remember when the shoppers were waiting outside and I commented on that one husband who told his wife he wasn't feeling so hot, he looked like death, and she just rolled her eyes at him? Well, right as Chris is about to mop up the barf by the ride-on toys, which looks more like a medium-sized animal was hit by a semi-truck. <laughs> I mean, it like was roadkill. There's like organs on the ground. Like somebody puked up their liver. But it looked like one of the combo dinners if you get Rose's Tortilla Factory. <laughs> oh, doctor's got a problem with roses. But what, what's more that, that got me in this is like, hey, someone threw it. I was like, I don't remember. I was like, I guess it's just me. and Or maybe they were just that good about it of people going into a store like this and just throwing up. Especially that. Like, 
I figure, you know, they would have been like, you need, you know, he would have been like going up. You need to go in the back to call nine one one because apparently someone was killed. There's I mean, enough viscera in the aisle to denote that a body used to be here. It looks like a carcass from a small, a small creature on this thing. So Chris, the German folks, he's holding his nose. He can't believe he's had to do this. But all of a sudden, that husband, now looking like a deteriorating zombie and foaming at the mouth, full-on attacks Chris. Chris pulls a towering ball rack down on the guy. And then when the infected wife attacks Chris from behind, he bashes her across the face with a toy car. Archie's on the other side of the door in the warehouse, and he hears the commotion. And he saunters out, and he looks around. What the fuck, Chris? And here is where the script and the movie as a whole really falls off the tracks for me. As customers are being told over the intercom that they have to evacuate the store, Ken is zipping around on a skateboard, goofing off. And when the new guy, Emmett, asks Ken what happened with Chris, you know, Ken's carpool buddy, Ken just kind of shrugs it off and says, Chris knocked some lady out with a, a pink car or something. What? He doesn't care at all. Like, this was like... If you came up to me at Circuit City and was like, hey, why are they evacuating everything? Oh, a good buddy of mine just knocked a customer out with a camcorder across her face. I don't think I'd be skateboarding around and just completely. And again, maybe you would have. You have to give the actor something. Well, here we go. Um, His friend, Chris, was just attacked by two customers. And this guy acts in Ken, our hero-ish, doesn't give a shit. A few seconds later... A foaming-at-the-mouth customer with boils all over her face pounces on new guy Emmett, and as she holds him down, a white, ropey, spiderweb-typey thing... No one said spiderweb. No one said that. ...shoots out of her mouth and attaches to his. Ken cracks his skateboard over her back of her head and drags Emmett's body back to the warehouse, where the others have all have... (laughs) They've hogtied Chris to a chair with zip ties, and Brian, the assistant manager, is putting him under a citizen's arrest for the attempted murder of two customers. Thought that was fun. Ken cries out, there's some next-level crazy shit going on out there. Another customer just attacked Emmett, but nobody cares. Mr. Wexler steps out of the crowd. Oh, it's just Black Friday. Excitement is in the air, he says, as only Bruce Campbell could. That's Green Friday, Anita corrects him, as Emmett dies a painful death on a nearby table. (laughs) That's right. It's Green Friday, baby. All part of the fun. It's known as competitive shopping. Anita got a black eye last year. She took it like a champ, Wexler explains, as Anita smiles proudly. And Emmett continues to die on a nearby table. Marnie, thankfully, is the only one who's taking the situation seriously. And she says they should call the cops. But Mr. Wexler shoots her down quick. He says if they if they work efficiently, they can have this cleaned up and the doors back open by 2 a.m. Corporate expects this store to do six figures over the weekend, and he's going to see to it that it happens. Everybody's like, what are you talking about? Like two of our employees have been completely attacked. There's blood and body parts everywhere. Somewhat surprisingly, Wexler's loyal assistant manager, Brian, does try calling the cops against his boss's wishes, but he gets the cops' the, the police voicemail. Did you guys... He looks at him like, did you guys even know police have a voicemail? Ken asks his friend Chris if there's anything he can do for him. You know, like untie him. But they don't untie him, even though another customer has attacked another employee in the meantime. From this point forward, very little in this movie makes sense 
and character motivations as far as why they do the things they do in particular across the board make zero to little sense. Is that where you're going to? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's the first one. Okay, we'll get to that. But having said that, I try not to get hung up on the terrible construct, terribly constructed screenplay and shoddy direction moving forward. I was like, because I thought Tut would be loving this movie at this point, I'm like, it's a new horror movie with Bruce Campbell. I'm going to try to focus that's, on that. No, 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 no. That's exactly where I'm at. I'm like, it's got Bruce Campbell. It's got Michael J. White. It's got the cute girl from Sha Na Na. I mean, we're still hanging in it. And I just want to clarify, I, again, I don't think she's a member of Sean or not. No, she was on the cast. I think I think Yax has corrected Tut twice. It's not Sean on the show Tut's referring to. Okay. He keeps saying Sean on Okay. It's the, the Shannara. There you go. That was it. That's that's what Yak said. Shauna was a, a show from. At the years. end of the day, it's a horror movie with Bruce Campbell, and that that hopefully should be enough. Yeah. Anita blames Chris and Emmett for provoking the customers, which their employee training videos clearly educated them not to do. No wonder Chris has never been employee of the month like she has repeatedly. Ken sticks up for his little buddy, the buddy that's still zip tied to a chair. And tells Anita, nobody gives a flying fuck about your training videos or your bullshit employee of the month plaques. She fires back that plenty of employees do care, just not the two of you. And I quote her, you've squandered every single opportunity that life has handed to you to do a subpar job bringing people up at We Love Toys for the rest of your life. Jesus, that was harsh. You work here too, bitch. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Well, luckily, she didn't go on any further and point out how tiny their dicks were. <laughs> My God. <laughs> well, and the reason she doesn't, I assume she was on that trajectory, is because just then Emmett, their employee who's been dying on the table, starts drooling bright blue foam out of his mouth. Anita, ever the employee of the month, races over to help him. And she's rewarded by one of those white, ropey, cumsicle looking things. <laughs> shooting out of Emmett's mouth, attaching to her mouth, and then a sharp alien spike <laughs> shoots out of her throat, killing her. Everyone stands in shock disbelief as Anita's body crumples to the ground. As Emmett then bolts off the table and transforms into a full-blown roaring mutant in front of their eyes. And yet they still don't untie Chris. We still don't know what's going on with Chris. <laughs> They're following the employee handbook. Mr. Wexler, the boss, played by Evil Dead hero Bruce Campbell, hides behind Brian. Protect me. (laughs) Marnie picks up the Black Friday sheet cake that corporate sent down and slaps the Emmett creature across the face with it, which pisses Wexler off. Hey, corporate sent that. Luckily, and that would never work if it wasn't Bruce Campbell. (laughs) Luckily, just then, Archie, the badass warehouse manager, shows up and pumps Emmett full of nails from his nail gun, causing the new guy slash monster to run out of the warehouse screaming and howling. He, As he runs out, he actually pushes the warehouse doors off their hinges and down. They still don't untie Chris. We still don't know what's going on. You know what gets me howling and screaming? What's that? Doctor, you know what gets me howling and screaming? Uh, full moon. Full moon. 
It's been known to happen. Also, Drew Estate Cigars. Uh, the almighty Drew Estate is about to make someone a whole lot richer. During its latest freestyle live show on the company's Facebook live page, facebook.com forward slash Drew Estate Cigar, Drew Estate announced that it will hold a Bitcoin sweepstakes with numerous incredible prizes during upcoming freestyle live events, including a grand prize of one full Bitcoin for a lucky fan to be announced during the February 17th, 2022 edition of Freestyle Live. Entry into the unheralded Drew Estate Bitcoin sweepstake is simple. During each of the company's three Freestyle Live events, you missed the one in October, you missed the one earlier this month, but get this, January 20th is your last chance, 2022. The company will randomly select the names of five people who attend the online show and comment during specific times in each broadcast as potential winners of an assortment of fantastic prizes. The five winners from each of these three shows will create the contestant pool of 15 people eligible to win the grand prize Bitcoin. How crazy is that? That's really crazy, not just a little bit crazy. Oh. <laughs> a little uh, cryptocurrency humor for you. And while we're talking about things that are a little bit crazy, a little bit cool, I'd also like to take a hot minute to a once again, let you know about something very cool, Cigar World. Cigar World's an online site for cigar smokers. There you can get cigar news, reviews, and a lot more. Also on the site is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab. You can sign up to give your input on new cigars by taking surveys and testing cigars. Check it out at cigarworld.com forward slash testing lab. I cannot say yes or no that you might stumble across the doctor on there doing some kind of experimenting with pink pulsating orbs. I often am found in a laboratory, but I do very little with pink pulsating orbs. The good old days. Maybe if you did, they wouldn't be pulsating that much. So now you've got dead Anita on the ground, a monstrous new guy Emmett on, on the loose in the store. The police still not answering. <coughs> Excuse me. Are you guys really not getting a lot of spice out of the sand? That spice is climbing for me through the nose. I wish it was climbing. How can a thing that's smoking like this campfire log not be uh, getting? It's pretty. Out? It's it's pretty potent. Yeah, yeah. Mine's climbed. So you're getting the spice finally through the nose, a little inclement there, but all you're still getting is mineral because of your crazy beer? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's that's exactly all I'm getting. Uh, do you have another beer you can switch to? No, I drink my mistakes, man. <laughs> I'm getting a smidge of I'm getting a smidge of earth. But yeah, that, yeah, the beer's pretty much drowning out all the palate now. It's a miracle I'm even getting the mineral. Didn't the beer on the can say, like, nothing but Christmas spices? <laughs> Pretty much. I saw but that. A lot, it, but a lot, of, a lot of beers are like that. It's like pumpkin spice ale, and it's like there's no pumpkin in it. Or, you know, this type of spice, and there's barely any of it in yeah, there. Yeah, you, you said your pumpkin spice ale was actually one of your better pairings this year. You, you thought yeah, that one. Yeah, that was actually really good. Yeah. None of that you... stuff appeals to me. I remember I got so excited last year when Cade told me that they had the that beer, the Crunch Enhancer, and then we yeah. had it on the show, and it was like it was it was high alcohol content, but it was like pure like maple sugar. Oh, it was too, 
I, they're still in my fridge a year later. I still have the Crunch Enhancer, and I still have the Puppy Chow, the Chex Mix chocolate beer. <laughs> Fuck you, Martin House Brewing. I'm never, <laughs> I'm never falling for that. Food. They, they are, they are like, like some unnamed cigar companies. Pure marketing. They make gorgeous graphic design cans. Cans, yeah. And you're like, you go in, and you're like, oh, that looks good. Like, I like s'mores. I, I like toasted. I, I like. Uh, you can't you can't make a beer named after one of the greatest lines in a movie ever, and fail to deliver. They did. They repeatedly have done that. This beer is shit, but you know what? If we put this awesome name on it, we'll sell it. Someone, someone in our after our Halloween party left a Mandarin Blossom beer in my fridge. That just sounds terrible. Come on, I mean, you, you pop that open, you get what you deserve. It 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 sat there for a week, and then I was just like, "Fuck it, I gotta have a beer." It was actually really good. It was actually really good beer. It was. It, it's it one of the, like a, It sounds like a breakfast beer, though. It's that it, that much orange. It was very light, it, but it was refreshingly citrusy, but not too citrusy. I mean, it was, that's why that's why I'm like, even though most of the times, yes, if it's a spice beer, you're you're cruising for it, bruising. But I'm just the sucker researcher. I gotta try them all. Hey, before we start uh, going back live on the show, am I the only one that's been drinking a lot of breakfast beers? Yes. Yeah. All right, Ted, let's let's start the show back up. For, for pretty sure, idea. pretty sure we were going on. Oh, oh, okay. Well, by where the part of the country I live in, it's regional. We call breakfast beers. That's what you drink at dinner. Oh, okay. Spoken like a true alcoholic in denial. <laughs> so, where were we? Oh, the police still aren't answering the phone. And when the, the employees finally get a call through to an, another nearby We Love Toys location, they all listen in on speakerphone as the terrifi- terrified store manager screams that they're under attack by the shoppers and that they seem to be gathering together to build something in the store. Before that is, she's attacked and screaming and the phone line goes dead. And upon hearing all that, everyone still refuses to untie Chris from his chair even though something undeniably evil is going on. Maybe they maybe they thought that was going to be like secretly amusing, which it was. I mean, it is inexplicable that they leave him tied up. That I think they just hate, everybody hates Chris. Is that what that show is about? Uh, I, 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 I don't know what's going on now. <laughs> Much like this movie, I don't know what's going on. As everyone bickers about what an appropriate plan of action is, do they pile into Ken's dad mobile? He's like, it, it sits seven, but we can squeeze in. Make a run for it on foot or just barricade the doors and stay put. Mr. Wexler walks over to the fridge, TNCC style, and starts chugging from the bottle of cheap champagne that corporate sends him every year for making his sales goals. He tells them they're all going to feel really dumb tomorrow when this all blows over. You know, despite him witnessing the new guy transform into a mutant, that, by the way, is still running around loose in the store and nobody seems concerned about. And then listening to his fellow nearby, nearby store manager on the phone as she was ripped to pieces by rabid shoppers. 
You see what I mean by nothing flows in this movie? There's, like nothing, there's makes, no motivation at all. Nothing makes logical sense as far as we see something happen and you're like, everyone would react this way. And these people don't react at all that way. It's a horrible screenplay. It is flat out horrible. It's constructed terribly. There's scenes in this movie which make so little sense. I, I skipped over it. There's one scene where some toy store employee goes out for a smoke break and you zoom in on his eyes like he sees something like really bothersome and you cut to his point of view and it's a car in the parking lot. And it's like, and he's like, and it's just a car and it makes no sense. Yeah, I, 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 it was disappointing. I thought they really could have done a lot more. Indeed, Doctor. Well, under the leadership now of Marnie, who has stepped up because Mr. Wexter flat out said he isn't up to it. These seven employees head out of the warehouse and back out into the main store. After a few steps, they stop cold in their tracks. The store is dark now, illuminated only by the neon lights of blinking toys and Christmas trees. And what customers remain inside are dragging around severed body parts and shuffling around in the shadows. Luckily, Archie knows what the fuck he's doing. You get the sense he's ex-military. He never says it. But the way he, well, he does have, does have a K-bar knife on his uh, tool <laughs> vest. On his We Love Toys apron? Yes. I was like, Archie's all about it. He know, He's got it. Well, they quickly start listening to him because he sounds like he knows what the fuck he's doing. Um, he tells Yeah, them, and he's got the voice to listen. I mean, yes, sir. I was really waiting for him like to just walk out into the flaming hellpocalypse and be like, I knew this day would come. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Who's not going to follow Archie? He commands Ken to take Marnie and Ruth, old lady Ruth, back to the manager's office and lock themselves in. Well, he, Mr. Wexler, Brian, and Chris secure the wide open employee exit door in the store that's letting all these rabid shoppers flow in and out of the store freely. A sheepish Mr. Wexler informs Archie, you know, Archie, I should actually go and hide in the office with the women, seeing as how Brian represents me on the sales floor. And Brian straightens his bow tie and says, I will carry your grace to the sales floor as always, sir. <laughs> I did like that line. I did like that line. Yeah. That Loyal to the end. I, I like this guy. I'd say this cowardice. I do, I do like the actors playing it, and I wasn't thrilled with a lot of the lines in here. I thought that they tried to be funny, that and it just fell flat. Oh, but, I, le- I left so many lines out because I couldn't repeat them. Oh God! But this, this little scene, the, their little interactions work, and I think I can't. Remember, I don't know know who the actor is who plays Brian, but I, I, I thought I, he did a fantastic job with what I'm he gonna, was given. I, I think I point his name out later, so uh, I'm going to give him a little bit of shine. Uh, I'll say this. This cowardice is a change of pace for the usually heroic Bruce Campbell. But if you think about it, it really isn't as Ash in the Evil Dead movies was always a very reluctant hero. Yeah. In the Army of Darkness, he wanted he did everything he could not to be the hero. Yeah. But, I mean, this is this is like me on steroids. This is a coward on steroids in this movie. Uh, he does not want to face anything. Mr. Wexler is not Ash, however. He is not Ash. Uh, Ash is pretty old now. Yeah, on, on one hand, you know, I'm, I'm, I miss it. It's it's easy to be like, man, I just, I love that character so much. I wanted him to be like that and everything that he does. But I understand, you know, go for something different, mix it up. 
No, I'm actually, cool. I'm cool with the funny coward. Actually, stuff. actually, if Mr. Wexler had strapped like a, a, a toy chainsaw on his hand and been like, "Let's do this," I would have called bullshit. Like, dude, I'm okay with what he does. In this. I'm totally yeah. okay with what he does. In this so Big Archie and his team managed to get that exit door closed, so no more uh, alien zombie shoppers can get inside. Unless, of course, some of the ones that are already inside, of which there's dozens, just go and open the door again. But, of course, the screenplay doesn't cover that. While Ken and Mr. Wexler leave the ladies alone in the office to hit the bathroom upstairs. Wexler says he has to pinch a loaf. And Ken is desperate in need of the bottle of cheap booze he keeps hidden in a ceiling panel. That tracks. Only thing is, there's a toy truck delivery driver in one of the stalls. He showed up in the beginning of the film, got sick, and it's like, where's the bathroom? And when Ken is on the ground lamenting his shattered bottle of booze that fell from the ceiling, he sees the guy's boots. And next thing you know, this alien zombie truck driver jolts out of the uh, toilet and attacks Ken and Wexler and takes everything they have until finally the guy's strangling Ken Mr. Wexler throws him his shattered whiskey bottle and he jabs the guy in the neck with it, uh, killing him. Once again, doctor, whiskey saves the day. Is there anything it can't do? No, there's not. <laughs> no. Oh, and down the store, all the shoppers are now congregating in Santa's village in the middle of the store where they are pressing their bodies up against a giant pulsating illuminated pink sack that slowly absorbs them <laughs> into it. That sounds like a kind of racy story the doctor told me from his Poughkeepsie days. But, uh, doctor, do you remember the pulsating pink sack from uh, Poughkeepsie? Once again, legal purposes are going to prevent me from going into that story. As I, I should. I respect that. Hippa. All I remember is me in a flower bed. There was nothing pulsating. <laughs> were they pink flowers? They were multicolored. Despite all of this insanity going on, the We Love Toys employees decide to head back down to the sales floor and get their Christmas bonuses before they get the fuck out of there. Only thing is, Mr. Mr. Wexler failed to tell them there are no Christmas bonuses this year or that there are going to be massive layoffs right after the holidays. All of his workers are furious, naturally. But little petite Marnie manages to punch out Wexler before anyone else can. I quit, you fucking joke, she sees. All right, look. I know that money matters. I also know that someone's job matters. It's a little different in 2021 when every place is asking people to come work there. This was made when people actually had to keep their jobs. Now they can, you can go get a job. You don't like it on the first day, go next door and work somewhere else. But all of this crazy fucking shit was taking place. Would you really be that worked up over your minimum wage time and half time and a half Christmas bonus? This should have been going on before all this stuff. Yeah. You're sliding on the linoleum floor from body parts and blood, and you're freaking out about your Christmas bonus, which I'm pretty sure retail workers never get a Christmas bonus. That, that's what really was pretty bad with the script for me. It seemed like they were still worried about mundane things when they were in a apocalypse scenario there's blood everywhere and they're bitching about there's no checks where are you going to go cash these checks like a dramatic moment too like what there's no bonuses 
They just, I mean, they're they by fucking aliens. They're completely oblivious to the world is burning around them. Their fellow employee just alien spooched on another fellow fellow employee, and they've got a big giant pulsating sack that's sucking up customers. Hey, Tut said spooge. Tut said spooge. Starting to talk about pulsating sacks. By the way, I'm about done with this. I think there is something really interesting that could have been said about corporate America, the retail work environment in America, and consumerism in America in the context of this movie. But these subjects all seem mostly misplaced and jumbled clumsily in this movie to have any real respectable landing. Agreed? Agreed. Oh, yeah. There was potential here to really shine a light on the retail experience, the Black Friday experience, the corporate shitting on their employees experience. And they they get they they touch on it and they're they're like, you have the talent here to, to deliver these lines, but the screenwriter doesn't give it to them. I just don't know what they were trying to do with this movie. I don't know what they were trying to well, say. You know I don't what? know I, what it was I, trying to be. So I kind of felt I like that also it started was that they wanted to, you know, just parody the, you know, that the, the whole work environment in retail on Black Friday in the, in the context of this alien parasite invasion. But then it just, it, it just fell apart. It's like they dropped the ball. I, mean, I, I was, I was, a, I, that's what I was kind of expecting. That's like, I figured that it was, you know, drawing in there somewhere with this. A, a clever screenwriter could have said so many things with this movie. It's things that George Romero hinted at at Dawn of the Dead with his zombies in the mall. He could. This movie could have said so much about Black Friday and these these mass shoppers and consumerism and not only that, but the shitty retail work environment. Dude, he just dips his toes in. A little bit of all this in the screenplay, but never goes any deeper than that. Well, I'll even keep it more simpler. I don't, I don't demand a commentary on consumerism or any big philosophy like that. I just still at this point didn't know what I was really watching. You just, you just need a screenplay that makes logical. I just, I mean, you need something that progressive logically and makes sense. And just, this, movie, it doesn't do that either. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're almost done with your cigar, Ted? Yeah, yeah, I'm about to put this thing out. Okay, I, I am just now into the final third. You're right, Ted, you are smoking that thing fast. Um, I couldn't help it. I tried to slow down, and I, I didn't. Construction has been phenomenal. Uh, straight, straight burn line, solid. Do you want to wait until you guys get it, get it down? Because, I mean, unfortunately, I just... My notes are very, very specific on this cigar, thanks to my I, beer. Well, of course. You, 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 uh, I'll look forward to hearing your thoughts after you smoke one of these without that beer, um, which I'll make sure you do before we post our, our rating, because you need, a, you need a, a, a second round of this one. Uh, no, I, I'm okay doing it, honestly, because from start to finish, I've gotten pretty much the same thing, which I'm okay with. That spice um on the on the retro hell has been consistent it's it's gotten a little stronger gone down a little bit ebbed and flowed but it's it's never gone into mile it's always been there yeah uh unlike you guys tut understandably i i have gotten a little weird occasional vanilla bean thing on the undercurrent which is awesome the woodsiness on the draw whether it be oak hickory mesquite whatever the fuck 
is awesome. It's bold, it's strong, it's enjoyable. It's also paired with a mineral component from that Nicaraguan tobacco, which is phenomenal. And then I also got that that roasted coffee bean note. Um, it reminds me so much of the Liga 9, only with a lot more spice, consistent spice through the nose, thanks to that San Andres wrapper. Uh, it's it's like an undercrown and a Liga 9 kind of went into a pink pulsating sack and emerged <laughs> a, new, a new bean, a new evolution of creatures. Uh, I love this cigar. I was going to say that. Um, the... Uh... The that mineral presence there, the closest thing that I could put this to would be a Liga 9, which is a great thing to say about a cigar because Liga 9 is one of my all-time favorite cigars. It's fallen here a couple of with a within the last couple of years because of some of the newer cigars, but I still love that cigar. Uh, so it's like a Liga 9 with a spicier retro hell, and that is a really, really great combo. Copious smoke reduction. This thing is. Oh, not- yeah. This thing has not stopped just pouring smoke out of it. Um, I'll be honest. I also review cigars for a fellow uh, site, Blind Man's Puff. Mm-hmm. And I was actually sent the cigar from them. And I said in my review, I had no idea what it was, but I was like, any cigar that reminds me this much of my beloved Liga 9, that's high praise. And when I found out what it was, and it's consistent. I got the same thing. Woodsy coffee, minerals, that, that spice. But it reminded me of the Liga 9 then when I didn't know what it was, and it reminds me of the Liga 9 now that I do know what it was. So that's yeah, that's extremely high praise considering the Liga 9 is one of my favorite cigars of all time. Okay. All that sound copacetic with you, yeah, boy? And it's pairing beautifully, yes. it's pairing beautifully with the Imperial um MC3. What cubed? Is that what you said? M- MC cubed? MC cubed, yeah. IPA. Um, I, I'm I'm enjoying it a lot. Todd obviously uh, dropped the ball tonight with his beer. Yaks is it? I, I'm assuming your beer is just has no chance but to wet your whistle with this one. Basically, it did. I, but I'll say this much about the cigar. Last third, spice started ramping up. Much stronger black pepper. Stronger coffee flavor. My the, the first two thirds of the cigar were the flavors were good were there but they were just very diminished. And I, I mean, like I said, that we I had that mineral, but that was running through the whole thing. I mean, it was just very background. It so had the woodsiness. It had it, and, and it continued a sweetness all the way through. Like I, said, I had mentioned earlier, I mean. In the very beginning, just on the cold draw, when I lit up, almost like, you know, you had mentioned that raisin sweetness. Oh, man, it was there, Yaks, but unlike you, I didn't get any sweetness during the smoking experience at all. It, that it, That's actually, I, I don't know if maybe this beer I'm having is just somehow changing my palate or, I mean, I don't know. That, that was the one thing. It's like there, I've just had this this background sweetness. Well, I'd love to try your beer because I would love to pull out a little more sweetness out of the cigar. I, I thought maybe this citrus, you know, mango heavy IPA would do that, but it, it hasn't. Uh, but that vanilla bean note I get on under that retro hill does add a really cool little thing to it. So, okay. Well, boys, uh, if you get anything new yaks, speak up. If not, I think we've said all there is to say, let's do price point. This is a regular release. It will be uh, on the shelves in per 
perpetuity. What's the word in perpetuity? In in perpetuity. In perpetuity. This will be on the shelves. It is on the shelves now at most Drew Diplomat retailers nationwide. You can find them. Uh, the 652 Toros lasted us quite a bit. Well, me and Yag Boys lasted <laughs> burned through it like a, a madman. Price point. A cigar blended to celebrate 10 years of a true game changer in the Drew State profile. That that Liga Undercrown blended on the factory floor by the staff. They were smoking too many Ligas, and they were like, blend something else. And they came up with the Undercrown blend, and it changed the company. And this is to celebrate that. 10 years. Tut. Price point. I will go fifteen ninety nine. Fifteen ninety nine. Yeah, boy. Mm. Twelve. Twelve fifty. Twelve fifty. Now, if you tell me it's ten dollars because it's ten years, I will be furious. No, but I'm going to tell you, you should have stuck to your first guess, so you can be furious with that. Twelve bucks. No. It's an undercrown. It's a people cigar. It's not going to be $15.99. It's something you can afford. It's not a Liga Privada. It's a, a celebration of what made the undercrown great, which was that it was an affordable, incredible cigar in the vein of Liga Privada, but not at Liga Privada prices. Doctor, does 12 bucks sound good for how we've described the cigar? It sounds extremely reasonable. All right. Well, I got some saved aside for you, buddy. But you'll smoke them before I get. <laughs> Only if I visit him. More than likely. <laughs> and I'm going to give some to Tud as long as he promises to drink it with a normal beer. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I, I think it's three thumbs up. Very, very much so. Okay, good. I don't, man, we've had a couple of Drew Estates this year. Uh, I'm not going to put this up there with the Bauhaus. That to me was a really special Liga Pravada with that, that just, they really went spice heavy on that one. And that little sucker packed a ton of flavor and spice into that little thing. Uh, we also did the Herrera Steli Miami, I believe. Um, yes. I'd, I'm putting that above the, the Miami though. I am putting this above the Miami. Uh, that was a very cedar leather forward with some spice. But to me, this one gave me coffee. It gave me woodsiness. It gave me spice. Um, it gave me a little bit of vanilla and that glorious Nicaragua mineral. So, yeah, I'm, I'm putting this right below the Bauhaus right now and uh, a couple steps above the Herrera Steli. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I think it might be running close to that Bauhaus. But, yeah, I think you're the – I think the Bauhaus edged it with a little bit more of a flavor profile. It was unique for the Liga yeah. Uh So, yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. Um, and I think definitely folks listening at home, go with a a strong Citrus Ford IPA or uh, Yaks. What was your what type of beer were you drinking? Uh, the UFO. It's a Vit Beer White Ale. A Vit Beer White Ale. Okay. So, really, there's a wide spectrum there as long as you – Stay away from the spice-heavy Christmas ales. <laughs> just, it doesn't matter what you're smoking. Just stay away from them. Just, just stay away from them. I know it had a cute little Christmas sweater on the can. 
and it's Tups, so I mean, they, Tups, hey, is Tups is a good brewery. Tups they they deserve they deserve a benefit of a doubt, but man, anything with nutmeg and cinnamon and just just pass, just pass. It's a dessert beer. You should be eating it, ice cream and pie and Cool Whip and just. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. I just don't get the entire concept, though, Yaks, of a dessert beer. All right, I'll, I'll tell you this. No, 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 no. Do you throw some pumpkin pie with your dollop of whipped cream and this beer, and that's a great combo. I will I say I will put that right there. And that beats any kind of beer with that. Yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not going to argue on the amaretto. That's a good deal. But I'm, I am going to say that keep your mind open on the beer, but it's very specific on what you can have with it. Why should I have to keep my mind open? No one else in this goddamn world does. <laughs> Tut, would you have used the term dollop of whipped cream if the doctor hadn't have used it earlier? Yes. Uh, my wife basically made, for the first time I'd ever, I'd ever tried it, homemade whipped cream. And she referred to it as a dollop as well. Okay. And by the way, homemade whipped cream just blasts the ever-living crap out of Cool Whip. I don't okay. ever want to look. I don't, oh. don't ever want to look at Cool Whip again. If you can make that yourself, what do you expect from hydrogenated oil versus heavy fucking cream? <laughs> it's, it's good. Also, people who only use a dollop, pussies. Well, that was You're a supposed risk. to just basically load up the plate and then put the pie on top of that. No, I'm saying that you you build a whipped cream tent around the pumpkin pie. At the I risk, use the word at the risk. Dollop without having any idea what it actually means. At the yeah, risk, I'd be proud of the amount of whipped cream went on my pie. Oh, yeah. At that the risk, would, at the risk, at the risk of Tut kicking me in the balls next time I see him, I would love to try a dollop of your wife's whipped cream. Hey, easy. Oh, oh, oh. Well, That's Mr. Who kinds of food? That's how mad I am. <laughs> I'm going to dollop you in a minute, mister. Well, Mr. Wexler is barely back up on his feet from that punch he took from Marnie before a rogue cop car drives through the front entrance, killing old Ruth. She's like, oh, the cops are here to save us. It just plows right into her. There's a dead cop behind the wheel. I did actually kind of like the look of this this shot, though, with the dead cop behind the wheel. It lets in a swarm of new infected shoppers. Chris is attacked immediately, and his buddy Archie rescues him, only to get caught by one of those white jizz ropes. He tells Chris to run. I got this. I will hold you down. Yeah, they had this whole little... I'm not sure what that means, but go ahead. Uh, And then he starts taking out... uh, Archie starts taking out as many random shoppers as he can with that knife, that K-Bar knife. Uh... I got your doorbusters right here, motherfuckers. And here I, I'm, 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 I'm online. I'm like, okay, we're about to get some action stuff. I, yeah, I think you know we're what? about to. That line was just made for the trailer. Yeah, because yeah. I think that's where the trailer ends is with Michael J. White saying, "I got your doorbusters right here, mother," and then it stops. Uh, before, of course, he uh, gets blasted in the face by one of those jizz ropes and turned into one himself. And which, now, I thought, which I thought was a huge loss because we never see him as a zombie. We never see oh, yeah. him. He would have been the ultimate kick-ass zombie. Michael J. White is a alien zombie, but he's gone. We never see him again. 
Wasn't Archie and the Jizz Ropes a doo-wop band from the 50s? They were. <laughs> they sang that song, I Only Have Jizz Ropes for You. I believe you're right, yeah, yeah. Well, I hated the fact that this is where Archie went out, and I almost checked out at this point because I was just like, come cool, on. He was the only cool guy in the movie. I was like, what, what are you doing here? What, what's, what's going on? What am I supposed to? I mean, your writing sucks. Your situations are, are bland. Now you've got this kick-ass character that you did nothing with. Man, uh, come on, Bruce, save this. Save this, Bruce. We're all thinking the same thing. An hour and a half movie of Michael J. White playing the exact same character who just kicks ass and leads that entire group of characters, all those good actors and their performances. If it's just if it's the movie, if Michael J. White's the main guy who just is just just kicking some ass and saving the day, we love a movie. Is it safe to say we love Archie? Check out on aisle nine, bitch. Well, that I just there would have been a million oh, of those lines if it was. Oh just, yeah, you could do the you could do it. You could run the gamut. Clean up on aisle seven. Blue ribbon special, my ass. I mean, you could just do all. Oh, so much missed opportunity. Agreed. Uh, remember that old grandma who was bitching at Chris when he couldn't ring her up at the register fast enough. Yeah, well, she's naked now, a naked alien zombie with these saggy alien titties, and she's the one who takes down Archie. Yak boy, is she what we, we would consider a gilf? No. Mm-hmm. No. I got that wrong. Okay, I got that wrong. Okay. Do you, do you guys like how I went to Yaks for that one? <laughs> That will be remembered. <laughs> that will be remembered. Going to our resident guilt expert, Chris. Chris sprints back to the warehouse to join the others with new guy Emmett chasing after him in hot pursuit. You son of a bitch! Once Chris is clear, Marnie, again not the cowardly male employees, grabs a wrench. And beats the shit out of alien zombie Emmett until he's finally still on the floor. Wexler grabs her. They're not really ever dead. That's a nice throwback to Ash. It's a trick. That, I yeah, like Max. that. I mean, that's that's. If anybody knows about these fuckers not being dead, it's Bruce Campbell, and uh, so that was a nice little throwback to the audience, of course. Marnie asks how things can possibly get worse, and just then the power goes out at the toy store. So the remaining five We Love Toys employees light up a bunch of toys in the middle of the warehouse break area and sit around reflecting on how long each of them has been working there and what circumstances either brought them there in the first place or kept them there, some for over a decade. Hell, Wexler's been there for 27 years, and he's nothing but positive about it. He was lonely then, but he discovered that there's a place for everyone, and this is his place. Regional managers call him on the phone daily to ask for sales numbers. Female employees have to laugh at his corny jokes, and even the coolest guys working for him have to obey him. This place gives him worth, he says. Man, I think there's a lot of truth to this scene delivered by the screenwriter and Bruce Campbell. It's my experience it takes a certain specific type of person to work 
for decades, not just in retail management, but management. And they nail both this moment and this character of Mr. Wexler perfectly. I'm finally saying something nice about the screenplay. Bruce Campbell's speech in the break room there hit a lot of right notes for me. That's totally out of context. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> in that it's good. <laughs> well, well that it, just what's going on. It's like the same thing. It's like fighting over the boat. It's like the bonus check disappointment. It's like, this is not the point. Yeah. He, he gives a great performance, very subtle, very restrained. And that's a good speech and all, but it, it just doesn't fit in the context of the movie at this point. The world's no, coming no, to an end. There's not the time for them to sit around and have this this chat. No, it does not. There's crazy people <laughs> running around tearing apart bodies right, right right outside their door. But I've accepted at this point that the script sucks and that there there isn't going to make a lot of sense. So, but I thought that little speech by Bruce Campbell and the way he delivered it and the way it was written was really really good. It. Take and, it as a vignette. It made, me, it, made me, it made me sad because this movie could have been full of those moments yeah. that were really, really good, and they didn't do any of it. Take it as a vignette. Yes, you're correct. It was fun. It was a good scene. It was good lines. It was delivered right. But put in context, there is no context in this stupid movie. And it just, they deserved better. All these actors deserved better. Yeah, they did. Man, I really thought Tut was going to be all on board for this movie. It's funny, after 150 episodes, still can't predict. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marnie, Marnie tells her boss, Wexler, that she legitimately always thought he was a serial killer, which that made me crack up because... <laughs> that actually did, too, because I was, walked out. There was at least two managers I had who we always thought were, at after they left work at night, were serial killers. Uh, before going to the employee fridge and taking out a pack of deli turkey... And handing everyone a slice as it's the closest thing to a last Thanksgiving meal they're ever going to get. Oh, boy, that's when things go south really fast. Ken tells Marnie, don't call this our last supper. I got two kids. I'm determined to see them again. And that sets off his young protege, Chris. Chris not only tells Ken, your life is not more important because you have a family that cares about you. But he keeps right on going telling the 40-something Ken, at least I'm young enough to realize this job is a mistake. You walk around like you're the cool kid in school. You've been working here for 10 years, man. Ken says, you don't know shit, kid. And Chris fires back, kid? I'm not your kid. You see me way too often to actually be your child. Oh, that was harsh. That was, that was harsh. That was big time, ouch. What the hell got up Chris's ass? I don't know. It was like, but but it's the same thing. It's the character motivations are all over the place. They're unexplained. In a well-done movie, this would have been great. Yeah, but for, not, I don't know. Maybe it's just, this scene with them sitting around kind of in a semicircle, all of it, this really struck me like an homage to like the Breakfast Club when they're all sitting around. And then they start, you know, just just yelling at each other, ripping each other for their faults. Yeah, because it's funny. I watched, and I never do this, but I watched an interview with Bruce Campbell about this movie. And he described it as the breakfast club with blood, mayhem, and carnage. Well, it looks like I nailed it. You nailed, nailed it. it. You nailed it. You nailed it. Bruce Campbell. But get this. 
Chris also goofs on Ken always trying to be cool around the store, treating work like high school, all while pathetically dating Marnie, who's at least 20 years younger than him. And Marnie, Marnie quickly, Marnie quickly steps into focus and says, uh, we're not dating. Ken, Ken turns to her. I thought we were a thing. A confused Ken smiles. Uh, a thing, yeah, but Ken, you're almost my dad's age, she says, to the guy who's a few years younger than us. <laughs> Brian bursts out laughing when she says that as he's chomping on his turkey. And Ken almost knocks the fat nerd out. He's like, shut up. He looks back at Marnie. What about the time we made out on the choo-choo train table? He's bewildered at this point. Ken, it passes the time, she sadly informs him. Mm. But Ken, I don't really know you. I've never seen you outside the store. I've never met your kids. Would we ever actually go out on a real date? I don't think so. Oh, my God. Mm. Pancakes, he replies with a grin, and Marnie drops her head, signifying no, there's no pancakes. I'm, I'm not understanding why this is a slam. Let's see. She's not his girlfriend, but they have a thing. Uh, she makes out with him because it passes the time. These are things that like are making me feel good about myself. Yeah, but it's such it was such a different thing to him. He actually thought they had something. Yeah, right. <laughs> and to hear this twenty-two-year-old chick be like, "Dude, no! Like, I'm just bored at this job, and making out with you is better than restocking Paw Patrol playsets." <laughs> For me, if I overhear some girl saying that, oh, we're not dating, we're a thing, I do it with them because it passes the time, I'm all, oh, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, Ken, Ken definitely thought it was more than that. The guy who thought he was viewed as too cool for school realizes all of a sudden everyone sees him as a fucking loser. All good siege movies, which is what this film ultimately is, it's a siege movie. That's why I wore my new directed by John Carpenter t-shirt that Yak Boy got me for my birthday because nobody does a siege movie better than John Carpenter. Assault on Precinct 13. The Thing. Prince of Darkness. To a lesser extent, Ghost of Mars. Nobody respects the Rio Bravo formula of Howard Hawks in the siege movie better than John Carpenter. And this is a siege movie and they all need a moment of eternal tension and internal tension like this between the characters when shit gets too heavy beating at your doors everyone has to turn on each other and this scene works so great and it's so uncomfortable to watch which is also great this whole warehouse scene is by far my favorite in the entire film watching them go at each other but where was this screenwriter for the rest of the damn story well and that's what i said the movie doesn't deserve this scene. Well, that's what I said. This scene is like the breakfast club. It works. These people are at each other's throats, but it's like everything leading up to it and everything after this, you're like, well, wait a second. This is like a good retail. Like we're, we're punching the people. We're, we're digging down. But I was like, what led up to this and what led and what goes after it, it doesn't fit. I think it's, if the I think if my Circuit City customers on Black Friday started eating us and shooting jizz ropes out of their mouth and 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 getting us when we hunkered back in the warehouse with the door barricaded 
we'd probably be centered our focus on that. You still would have walked over to El Chico and started drinking. Tell the truth. That would be my get in, get into Ken, get into Ken's dad van, drive off, run away on foot. Or guys, if we can make it over to El Chico, it's happy hour. <laughs> we got like two hours for Long Island. So let's get the fuck out of here. I just know that you are way too kind on this because I'm, I'm like I can't take it out of context of the shit show that is the rest of this movie, and because of that, this scene is crap. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of more inclined to agree with Todd. Uh, the movie is just bad, and I, I mean I appreciate that that what you're seeing in it, Cade. Uh, I think we all agree that I think this is a really well orchestrated scene. It made me really uncomfortable the way they attack Ken. It made it made me wish that everything around it lived up to that. This makes no sense whatsoever because none of the screenplay made sense up to this point. Now you're introducing character motivations like we're, all, all of a sudden you're Chris nerd or whatever it is starts mm-hmm. turning on this dude, and yeah. I'm just like, where did this come from? Well, no, you know what? Like, like who cares? Yeah, Tut, yeah, Tut, really. I'm Tut, already checked out at this point. Tut, like, not like, not that you. Tut and Doctor, not that you need me to validate you at all, but I can see where the script is so bad and the the, the illogical moves everyone has made up to this point, because we're in the last act of the film here. I can see why you've checked out and you just can't you can't see anything other than the mistakes that have been made so far uh, from a filmmaking perspective. I get that. I get that. I just thought I, it, this this scene in particular made me really wish everything around it was better because this scene was really good to me. But we can't see it. <laughs> I didn't, want to, come, I I didn't want to come across as a pretentious dick here. I heard that. I, I know you can't see what I'm gifted to see, but I understand it. I understand, I understand where you're at. You and I can't see it. I, uh, he understands that, though, so it's okay. <laughs> I do understand it. And, and and you guys are okay. Fuck you. <laughs> this just made me again. It made me mad for the actors. Uh, I was just like, hey, they you got guys, paid. you guys deserve so much more than this. They got paid. They got paid. Yeah, but still, I mean, so do hookers. Well, they read the script. They 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 knew that things were going to be if they were well versed in storytelling. I don't, I don't feel sorry for the actors. I feel sorry for those of us who sat through this movie. I mean, the, the performers were good, yeah. But it's at that point when, yeah, okay, they're it's funny, like you said, it's it's funny that Ken thinks that he's got something that they, they him and Marnie clearly see what they have differently. That's all funny and all, but it just it's like, come on, man, you're you're fucking. This isn't the time for this. It's like you said, you're gonna be focused on. Can we possibly save our lives? We don't. To, yeah, it's just stu- it just rings stupid at that point. Uh, well, it gets. Really stupid moving forward. I'm out of here, a devastated and completely embarrassed Ken says before marching off. And here's where the stupid comes in. Both Marnie and Chris grab flashlights and follow him. And next thing you know, Ken isn't out of here. He's trying to find the breaker box to get the lights back on. And he's working just fine along his co-workers who just ripped him a new asshole seconds ago. Like that never happened. Yep. This kind of shit is what drives me crazy about this movie. Everything about that impressive scene we just watched is instantly forgotten as the next one starts. Marnie sees the loading dock door and smiles as she remembers that the truck driver who attacked the boys in the restroom 
told her that he had his truck waiting to go outside with the keys still in it. If they can open the locked loading door, they can ride to freedom in that delivery truck. Easy peasy, right? Wrong. Suddenly, new guy Emmett is back from the dead. Wexler called it. They're never really dead. And he's looking way worse than ever before. Kudos to, hey, I'm going to say again something nice. Kudos to special effects legend Robert Kurtzman, formerly of KNB Effects, who fucking killed it with all the practical effects done here. He actually got started working on Evil Dead 2 with Bruce Campbell in 86. So these dudes go way back. It makes sense because these guys, when they when they really get to their furthest evolution, these monsters really kind of look like full board deadites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a very familiar. And and, and uh, I'm going to make another reference here in a little bit that definitely rings true. Uh, Emmett and Ken start battling it out. Brian jumps in to help, and together they manage to finally kill the new guy Emmett, but not before he takes a bite out of Ken's arm. And you know what that means in an alien zombie movie. If you get bitten, it's a death sentence. Adios, mofo. It's only a matter of time until you turn into one of them. Chris says they can lop off Ken's arm and save him. But Ken tells them, I love this line, you've already taken my dignity. Just leave my arm. (laughs) He still feels about (laughs) it. That's pretty good. I like Devin Sawa. He's turned into a a cool adult actor. I, I dig the guy. Um. And I never really thought much of him as a young guy, but man, he's, he's, he's kind of turned it on here in his middle age. As the others leave him behind to turn into a, a zombie alien monster, Ken falls to the ground shouting at the ceiling for the alien gods to hurry up and transform him as a defective dour dentist ten- teddy bear doll nearby laments. It's been a long day, day, day. My house is a mess, mess, mess. I just always feel bad, yet others are going through much worse, worse, worse. Fuck off, Dower Dennis, Ken says. Again, I think Dower Dennis got moved into my top three actors in this thing. I love Dower Dennis. Marnie, Chris, Brian, and Mr. Wexler are able to open the loading door and climb into the back of the delivery truck. Wexler says they can drive to his Elks Lodge, which is only a few miles away, and Brian says, uh, how about we drive to the police station? The police are here, and they're monsters now, Chris reasons. Now, Marnie says with a raised eyebrow. <laughs> Fucking millennials. I wish there was a little more of that, too. <laughs> like, she's, she's very anti-cop. Uh, they they, they could have sprinkled a lot more of that cool stuff in the script if it was good. Well, Chris is able to crawl up out of the back of the truck through a hatch, but he's spotted by infected shoppers milling around outside immediately who charge at him and he's able to quickly run and climb into the cab of the delivery truck to drive them all to safety except he doesn't know how to work the gears in the truck that that tracks he, he can't get this thing to go back inside the dower dentist all moans oh, i just can't get it together it's not like my life was my choice 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 Right before it bursts into flames, setting the entire warehouse on fire. And just as the naked, growling grandma monster, Yax is a hubba dubba doo in order? No. No, no. Not at all. She breaks through the barricaded warehouse door and attacks Ken, who's now wearing roller skates for some reason. 
he decided he's going to die and turn into an alien. He might as well put on some roller skates. Is it just me or did naked grandma alien zombie look just like one of the titty twister vampire chicks that Kurtzman created for From Dust Till Dawn? Close to it, yeah. So similar. He pulled that bag. He created all those uh, vampires in Dust Till Dawn, and she reminded me a lot of that. So Ken and the naked granny battle it out as the store begins to fill with smoke. Chris climbs back on the roof and back down the hatch where he tells everyone not only can he not drive the truck, but he saw an infected We Love Toys employee outside, so they have to stay quiet in case he was spotted. Which makes no sense because we saw an army of infected people chasing them. Again, the script makes no fucking goddamn sense. So they all pile out of the truck, which is being torn apart by alien zombies, and they head back into the smoke-filled warehouse. Mr. Wexler, in full leader mode now, tells Marnie to grab his shirt. They can't see, so I know this warehouse blind like the back of my hand. Grab the back of my shirt, Marnie. Chris grabbed the back of her shirt, and Brian bring up the rear. Brian asks him why he's in the back, and Wexler, matter-of-factly, tells his portly assistant manager, these things are hungry, and, well, you're the slowest and the juiciest. Let's go, see- Juicy. But I can't see anything, Brian whines, as they start marching into the smoky rails. Shut the fuck up, Juicy. That is why you write Bruce Campbell the check. And this is what this is where I'm like, and here's where it turns around. Bruce is in leader mode. Here we go. We're gonna get some ash into here. We're gonna mix in some ash, and we're gonna save this movie. He takes. Uh, they manage to make their way up to the roof of We Love Toys, but that is no safe haven from the mayhem going on. Fire is pouring out of the air vents on the roof. Alien monsters from inside are pounding on the hatch that the surviving employees just crawled out of. And that giant pink blob is breaking through the roof itself, growing now at an astronomical rate. Mr. Wexler finally snaps from the pressure of of it all. After 27 years, he's finally had enough of Black Friday. The fake-ass smile he's had to put on, listening to Air Supply for 200,000 listens. He's fucking, his feet are tired, and he's had it. So he yanks open the hatch and dives down to fight the army of darkness. Woohoo! He's going to distract evil as long as he can so it leaves his kids alone. He tells them, as you're, I realize now you are my family, and he, he sacrifices himself. Man, no. <sighs> he's not, he's not going to turn this movie around. Luckily, right before the granny monster devours Ken, she's sucked into the massive pink blob. Her body is the last shopper it needs to grow to its fullest potential. Man, this was a really cool, big, practical effect, too. I I saw it on, uh, on Facebook Friends with Robert Kurtzman. That big pink thing, they actually constructed. It's not digital. It was this huge, practically made thing. I just wish they hadn't added that cheesy little digital smoke puffs because that made it look cheap and... And a lot worse. I mean, it looked really cool, just natural. Back up on the roof, Brian confesses to Marnie and Chris that it was he who bit Ken, not the guy monster Emmett. Ken Bates was no hero, he says. He was a drunk and a creep, so I did us all a favor. You piece of shit, Marnie screams as she starts punching Brian. He covers his head. These are more than microaggressions. He calls out in pain. As they both tumble off the side of the roof, 
falling down into a trash dumpster. You know germaphobe Chris is going to have an issue jumping down into this dumpster, this filthy thing. Am I right, boys? He does. But the building starts quaking from the glowing pink blob that's growing, and it knocks Chris's ass off the building down into the trash. Marnie and Chris exit the dumpster, leaving the traitorous Brian behind, despite him pleading that he did all of them a favor by taking out Ken. He was getting on to all of our shit, man. The blob continues to grow exponentially on the roof of We Love Toys. It kind of looks like a series of veiny pink nut sacks all joined together and glowing in unison. Am I right? <laughs> well, I know what you Yeah, well, take your word for it. Sure. Well, there it is. It took me six years and 150 episodes, but I finally typed the words a series of veiny pink nut sacks all joined together and glowing in unison. My family is going to be so proud of me. And from those pink pulsating ball bags, a monstrous roaring creature forms on the roof the size of Godzilla. It has one claw hand and one that looks like a bird wing minus the feathers. And half of its face resembles a turkey, beak and all, while the other is a melted, distorted human face saddled up next to it. Oh, and it's covered in screaming mouths and wandering eyeballs all over the place. We are totally in B-movie territory here in the finale, which I'm totally fine with. And say what you want, but I've never seen a movie monster quite like this one ever, and I've seen a lot. So props to the movie. At least the filmmakers gave me a, a new giant monster. I, had I, I was fine with it. Uh, it kind of made me think of a little bit of the, the monster from The Thing uh, just because of the deformities. Uh, I that- liked it. I like I, that. I, I like that it was a thing like the amalgamation of the dog and the and the human when that happens in a thing. I I also like the kind of homage to the the classic blob movies, you know, the yeah, the pink bulbous thing. Had a little bit of a Freddy Krueger reveal there too with the kids yeah. and the chest. I mean, that, it was imaginative and I liked it. I dug the turkey alien god. I thought it was cool looking. <laughs> Uh, well, Brian recognizes that this monstrosity is made up of all the shoppers, and it dawns on him he can maybe get through to it. Are you crazy, Marnie asks. It's a management thing you wouldn't understand, Marnie. And with that, Brian puts on a smile and approaches the storefront, introducing himself to the monster high above. He tells the monster that he isn't going to hurt it. Don't be scared. We're all scared. But don't be scared. I'm not going to hurt you. He tries to relate to it. And find some common ground. But it's all for naught as the alien reaches its claw hand down to the ground and flicks Brian across the parking lot like a paper football or a pesky booger. I mean, he just sends that dude soaring. Just then, Ken, our 40-something hero, cool guy, emerges from the flaming store and races out to hug Chris and Marnie. He also realizes at some point that it was Brian that bit him. Because he, I guess he saw his chunk of skin on the ground. It was like the alien would have ate that, but it must have been, that made no sense. I didn't get that either. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, that whole I didn't part get that. I, didn't get that. I, did. I didn't understand. It. And then there were three. We got three left. The alien turkey monster starts throwing chunks of roof down on the trio. So they need to come up with a plan quick. Chris tells Ken to run around and distract the monster while he fires up a forklift and drives it straight towards the belly of the store. The alien hunches over the side of the building, shoots out a massive ropey jizz strand that attaches to the forklift, 
And when it violently yanks the vehicle up in the air, the forklift's sharp front pointy things, you know, those two things that stick out on a forklift. The forks. The forks. Thank the you. forks. Thank you, Yaks. Thank you. The forks <laughs> puncture the turkey monster's face, sending red goo flying everywhere. Home run. What a shot. Uh, by the way, podcast production note, while I have gone 150 episodes in a row mentioning the term hot pursuit on every single show, this is sadly only the 27th episode out of 150 where I have mentioned massive ropey jizz strands. So I'll certainly try to rectify that with my movie selections moving forward. That's on me. I'll, 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 I'll get better. I'll get better. I made it to 150. <laughs> Massive, ropey jizz strands. Mr. Wexler had his legacy to consider, and I have mine. I'm thinking ahead, boys. Uh, there's lots of red goo Give shooting. <laughs> there's lots of red goo on display shooting out of this character's uh, face. Tut, do you know why the cranberries at Thanksgiving dinner turned red? No. Because in the kitchen, they saw the turkey's dressing. That is... Great. Put more thought into that joke than the screenwriter into this movie. Well, you probably did. <laughs> so the massive alien monster collapses down on the roof in Howling Pain, sending the entire We Love Toys building crashing to the ground in a giant heap of burning flames and rubble. Our three remaining Toy Store employees jump into Ken's dadmobile and hit the gas. Ken tells Marnie and Chris that his ex-wife texted him that his daughters were okay. City officials have set up safe havens everywhere for everyone to uh, hold up in. That sounds like a perfect plan to me, says Chris, but Ken says they have to make one stop first for pancakes. They all laugh. They all laugh as Ken hits the gas and they peel out of the parking lot, running over a dour dentist in the process. One of those dolls made it out in the parking lot. This surely is the end, the depressed teddy bear moans. But as we watch them drive off, we see another enormous alien turkey monster through the fog in the distance. So who knows how many of these things there really are. But they seem really easy to kill, so this is the end. Well, literally a forklift killed this thing. The army's going to send in a couple Apache helicopters and just shoot these things. They're, They're... they're dead. I mean, well, the end of the world, right? If they ever come out with Black Friday, check out on aisle two. I'm no, not you're not getting my money. Not think, doing it. I don't think we're going to see that. Uh, the end. The movie is over. Uh, Marnie, Chris, and Ken made it out okay. Uh, my final thoughts are this: it's a bad movie. It has enjoyable moments, but it is a bad movie. But what pisses me off way more than bad movies or almost bad movies are just okay movies that have potential to be so much better. And Black Friday is a perfect example of this. There are some really great moments here, mainly due to the actors. The performances are excellent across the board. Special effects are tip fucking top. If a little more care and attention was given to the screenplay, the flow and the mechanics of the story itself, this could have been such a better movie. And it doubly pisses me off 
when the thing holding the film's success back isn't budget-related. This flick had everything it needed, except a director capable of picking apart the script and forming it into something better than what was given to him. It it feels like a a rough draft movie. It feels like a first draft movie. This director should have taken the script and been like, this makes no sense. This motivation makes no sense. Let's take the good stuff here and make this into something better. It's a shitty screenplay with a few decent things in it. And that's up to the director to turn it into, you know, something, something. And they, they drop the ball and I'm with Todd. I feel bad for the actors because they all give it their all and they're all really good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't recommend black Friday. No thumbs down. The script needed a lot of work. It didn't need a little more work. The script needed to be overhauled. Well, I, no, I, I agree with Cade. Everything was there. Just it it needed a better direction. I mean, it well, had all... Well, had, the thing is, you've got a screen... had the actors. It had a story. But someone didn't say, well, this isn't... It's just like it was out of... It was shot out of sequence i mean you've 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 got a guy who hasn't written many produced screenplays if any it was a very newbie writer and the director had mainly done music video he'd done like three or four aerosmith things like he hadn't made a movie so it's like it's all the all the ingredients are there for this not to to do well if you had brought in a an established genre director that actually knew how to put together a story on on screen he could have he could have put something together with this had a lot of potential. It was kind of sad that it it failed as as much as it did. Doctor, would you say it could have used a dollop of talent behind the camera? I would definitely say that a dollop would have uh, improved things immensely. <laughs> uh, well, you win some, you lose some. Um, but. There you have it, folks, our Better Late Than Never Thanksgiving episode. Uh, the next time you're going to see us is our before Christmas Christmas special. We'll actually get that out before Christmas, and maybe uh, we'll do it right this time. We we had to scrap our last Christmas special, so we're going to redo the exact, <laughs> redo the exact same one we did last year, but for real this time. And we're also going to have a very special guest on our next show, uh, my favorite cigar blender in the business, Mr. Steve Saka has been asking to come on the show and he's going to introduce our cigar. We're going to be smoking. And I'm really excited about that. He's the only, I think cigar master blender that openly voices that he'd like to come on the show. So <laughs> be careful what you wish for, Steve, you're coming on. Hey, uh, a gift from Saka Claus. Uh, I cannot wait to get soccer claws on the show. It's going to be fun. We always have a, a really fun time with Steve. He doesn't hold back. Uh, we won't hold back. And uh, that's going to be a really fun way to end the year. So uh, underground 10 loved it. Uh, up there. Anything, like I said, reminds me of the league of nine that much, uh, but with a, a really potent blast of continuous spice mixed with the, the flavors that delivered. I 12 bucks. Man, you can't get no League of Nine for twelve bucks. That's yeah. that's that's awesome. And it's kind of like the gateway between Undercrown and Liga. Like for the 10th anniversary, they found the middle ground, which is awesome. And kudos to one of my other favorite master blenders, Willie Herrera, for 
dialing that in and it makes sense. Um, I'll say my double galaxy beer from ingenuous brewing sucked ass. My uh, other one, the MC cubed from equilibrium brewing was phenomenal. It paired very well with the underground 10. Glad I thought ahead to get a backup beer. Yak boy, you liked your wit beer. I did indeed. UFO was very good. Tasty. Went well. Uh, did, didn't interfere with your cigar, so I like that. Did not interfere with your cigar at all. Tut, your beer completely interfered with your cigar. Just terrible. A rare miss from Tup's Brewery, but uh, well, you never know. You never know. It just reinforces the mantra I hold dear in my heart. Trust no one. Believe in no one. Everyone and everything is going to eventually disappoint you. Happy holidays, everybody. Hey. Thanks, Dowercade. We will see you in two weeks for our big uh, happy Christmas time extravaganza. Until then, may the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Sayonara, motherfuckers. Gobble, gobble. We'll see you next time. Bye. All right. Oh, wait. Tut, we didn't do links. No, we sure didn't. Tut, give me some links. <laughs> All right. All right, so if you're on Instagram, hit us up at TNCC underscore podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at TNCC cast. Join us on Facebook, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. You can also subscribe. Please subscribe to us on YouTube at Tuesday Night Cigar Club. If you're going to do some Christmas shopping, ho, 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 go to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. If you want to buy any of the cigars that you see on the show, click on the uh, the Famous Smoke Shop banner. It'll automatically enter the promo code TNCC20 for you, and you will get $20 off an order of $100 or more. And if you want to go do some shopping on Amazon, click on the Amazon banner and do your shopping from there. Merry Christmas. We almost blew it, but we fixed it. We fixed it. Unlike the script writers for this movie, we fixed it. We caught our mistakes, and we fixed it before it was too late. Learn from us, young Hollywood screenwriters. I think he was like up in Massachusetts or somewhere. But anyway, <laughs> Merry Christmas, folks. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. To learn more about the time I found myself working retail at my local shopping mall during one particularly messy Black Friday way back in 1994, you can read my short novella, All Hail to the Chess King, Baby. You see... I had just sold the last heavily discounted sweater vest on our shelves when a disgruntled hose beast demanded to speak to my manager regarding my quote-unquote attitude problem regarding my refusal to check the back of the store for more sweater vests. The thing is, I knew we didn't have any more sweater vests in stock, so why the hell should I leave the sales floor and all those major 10% commissions Chess King was just dealing out those days just to satisfy this Karen. Or, back then we just called them annoying bitches. Anywho, I'll be honest, it's one of my least exciting novellas, as all that really happens is she talked to my manager and then left the store. Look, they can't all be literary classics, goddammit. Well, if you're still listening, and I honestly don't know why you would be, to learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode, please visit DrewEstate.com. 
For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'BrienSimple.com and download their free smartphone app, where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky. And for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. Get up, go to work, get drunk, go sleep. I get up, go to work, get drunk, go sleep.